When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Live from a bunker in the heart of the Ozarks, a podcast that thinks the best performance of the year was Robert pretending that Maestro's overrated. <laughs> it's Sif Pop. <laughs> Stoicism on you, Aaron. <laughs> Welcome to Sif Pop Weekly, streaming live most Fridays are available to download later in your podcast feed, unless, of course, you're a patron. Patrons get perks. Patrons get those perks. Woo! I'm your host, Aaron Dicer, and he recently taught me the word fecundity. It's Andrew Ormsby, ladies and gentlemen. It means to give birth to. Ahoy! <laughs> Thank you. Each week we'll chat about television, movies, whatever else from the pop culture universe is on our minds. And please welcome one of our guests this week. He's super excited for the third movie in the franchise, Rise of the Chicken Nugget. It's Aaron Schweitzer, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Super thrilled. You know me. And please welcome our second guest this week. His opinions almost made him leave this podcast world behind. It's Robert. <laughs> uh, hey. Bradley Cooper's not very good in Maestro. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we will get into that discussion here shortly. We are in part two of Robert the Sifties. Our look back at 2023 to see our favorite movies and performances and TV and other things as well. Uh, if you missed part one, you should listen to that first we gave away some of our uh superlatives for the year as well as did our tv countdown this week's a little bit different this week will just be performances and movies but then we will also have a little break in between where we'll talk about best movie moments of the year probably my favorite category that we do uh every year i love hearing those moments in the movie theater uh that people loved or at home as is more and more the case with new movies that we're seeing Um, so let's go ahead and get into it, guys. No reason to dilly or dally or the combination therein. We will start with the best performances of the year. Uh, we will pick an official SIF pop pick, but this is just a top 10 countdown. What are the 10 performances this year in order that you liked the most? We will go round robin style. A few notes, uh, if you don't know this about SIF pop. Uh, we do not do gender categories. Uh, everybody is in here, nor do we do supporting or lead, uh, categories. It is just who did the best movie performances of the year. Uh, so we'll start at number 10 and go to number one. And Andrew, you're going to kick us off. What is your number 10 performance of 2023? My number 10 performance of 2023 is Sophie Wilde and Talk to Me. Ooh. I love this choice. Mm-hmm. It especially comes down to that first possession where she has that old woman possessing her, and I think that is inspired acting right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good choice. Good choice. Aaron, what is your number 10? This is uh, We're doing Trump rules, right? Yes, Trump, Trump rules. If somebody has it higher, then uh, say Trump, and we will Trump it. 
Just get ready because I have Cillian Murphy. Oh, Trump. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Admittedly, probably hurt because I haven't seen Oppenheimer since opening weekend. But. Uh well uh Robert will be even more thrilled to know uh Cillian, Killian is it Cillian or Killian? I think it's Killian. Killian. Okay, okay. Killian Killian Murphy is uh is in my honorable mentions. Didn't even make oh my, my top my. ten. Oh uh, my so me neither. Uh, so Whoa, there you go. Oh right. <laughs> All right. Okay. I didn't think I was gonna have a hot take on that one. <laughs> no, honestly, it's not a hot take. It's not a hot take. It's just such a stacked year. Yeah, it yeah, is stacked what year. it is. It is a stacked year. Uh, I have all no right. problems with that pick. Uh, Robert with the, the Trump uh, for Killian Murphy. Uh, Robert, what do you have at number 10? Just a real quick question. We will have a chance for a couple honorable mentions at the end. Yeah, you can, yeah, okay. you can throw some honorable mentions in there. So in done. that case, my 10, because I have 11 that I want to be 10. Mm-hmm. Um, my 10 is Alden Ehrenreich in Oppenheimer. Uh, mm. I think it's a good choice. Um, I've seen Oppenheimer four times now. I watched it for the fourth time last night. And he's just impressed me more and more each time. He's just in there taking the crap from Strauss the entire time. Um, and he's just, once the that little turn is revealed, then he just, I, I love how the dynamic switches and how he goes, his, his dynamic or his uh, attitude is going against Strauss. Um, and then he yeah. has, also has a couple little reaction shots just throughout the movie. Like when Hill gives his answer in, in the hearing, uh, Aaron Wright just like looks up and it's just great. It's just a great little moment. Um, yeah, I love him so much in this movie. He's great. Would that it were so simple. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he, <laughs> he, he is amazing in this. Uh, I love Alden and everything he does. That's a, that's a great choice. Uh, my number 10 might get trumped. I don't know. I have Paul Giamatti at number 10, uh, for the holdovers. Yeah. Anybody have him higher? Okay. Trump! We'll talk about it then. Uh, on to our number nines. Uh, Andrew, what do you have at number nine? Mike, get Trump. This is where I have Mark Ruffalo and Poor Things. All right. Trump! Aaron Schweitzer with the Trump on that. Uh, probably be a lot of that here at the beginning. Aaron, what do you have at number nine? Paul Giamatti and the Holdovers. Oh, still Trump? Still Trump. Yeah, still Trump. Trump! All right. Robert, your number nine. Daniel Brooks, Color Purple. It's a great choice, but right, I didn't have good. it. Yeah, I was kind of surprised. Uh, yeah, she's my favorite performance in that movie. Absolutely blew me away. I, wasn't, I agree. Uh, necessarily expecting to come out of this movie with a favorite with a top ten performance, um, but especially that that dinner scene where they leave um, the husband. She's runs the gamut of all the different emotions in that scene, and that's not even obviously to mention the rest of the movie. Uh, her choreography and her singing is excellent, um, and her yeah, just regular acting is just as good if not better i i do think it's the best performance in the movie i think you're right about that i mean fantasia is phenomenal she's she's really really good um but uh i think daniel brooks is is even better so mm-hmm. um yeah great choice at your number nine uh my number nine i don't think will get trumped certainly not by robert uh i have glenn howerton from blackberry uh at number nine um this honorable mention for me i think i think his performance in blackberry kind of makes the movie um i you know it's one of those characters that has a really interesting audience arc for me because he takes you from 
uh, character you love to hate to character. Oh, actually, I kind of like this guy. I kind of get what he's doing here. And then back to character you love to hate. Like, there's this interesting kind of arc that the movie does with that character. And I think Glenn Howerton is perfect uh, in this movie. So that is my number nine is Glenn Howerton in Blackberry. Uh, on to our number eight. What do you got? Andrew Ormsby. Gonna go with Lily Gladstone and Killers of the Flower Moon. Gonna Robert's drop that one too. Drop! Aaron, what do you got at your number eight? Uh, Bradley Cooper, Guardians of the Galaxy Three. Nice. What an interesting yeah. choice. Uh, we at the website do the most best uh, motion capture and voiceovers as well, mm-hmm. and I took some inspiration from this list as well. It's just. Like it's such a great performance. He doesn't do the mocap. Sean Gunn does, but the uh, the voice performance is just. It, it, it's got like a uh, like you can just hear the pain in his voice, and he's he's had it throughout the first two films, but he really gets to shine in this one uh, because he has such a limited screen time. But he just really gets to. Um, it, it makes every second that we get him that much better. Yeah. Yeah. Inspired choice. Love it. Uh, all right. Number seven. No, uh, eight. We're at eight. Uh, Robert, your number eight. Uh, first, that's Bradley Cooper's best performance of the year. My no, eight is going to get <laughs> Stop it. Just <laughs> stop it. Now you just want to fight. <laughs> I, I'm, I, yeah. My eight is going to get trumped. It's Emma Stone and Poor Things. Trump! Uh, my number eight might also get Trump. This is where I have Jeffrey Wright in American fiction. Uh, maybe not. Okay. So I think he's incredible in this. I think he's long overdue, uh, to play a lead role in this way. Um, I want to see more of this. Um, American fiction is a phenomenal film and I think he's a big part of that. Uh, so I think, uh, it won the CCA for screenplay and is now starting to get some momentum that it might win in the Oscar, uh, for screenplay. Um, and that would be interesting. Uh, but I think it's well-deserved. It's good stuff. And Jeffrey Wright is great in it. So that is my number eight is Jeffrey Wright. We just need to listen to more black authors. Yes, yes, exactly. Uh, all right. Uh, number seven now. Andrew, what is your number seven, and will it be trumped? It will. It's Emma Stone and Poor Things. Yeah. All right. Uh, Aaron, what is your number seven? My last male on the list, Mark Ooh. Ruffalo in Poor Things. Oh, okay. All mm. right. So I think you have it the highest. So talk talk a little bit about uh, Mark Ruffalo and Poor Things. He's so good at playing Duncan Wunderbar. He's like this perfect, like sleazy villain. He's my favorite villain of the year. Uh, he's he's got such a charm. Like a, a, a it's it's weird because it's a charm, but it's not a charm you like because he's a sleazeball in the movie. But he's <laughs> he's he <laughs> wants to take Bella Baxter and like run away with her and. Um, for, for these reasons, cause she's not like any other woman, but it's those reasons that wind up being his fall and just his reaction to that is, you know, and, and maybe we'll, it's probably, I'm not going to nominate it, but one of my favorite moments of the year is him just screaming up at the balcony, like Stella, yeah. he's, he's so yeah. good. And of course the dancing scene is just iconic. I, I love Mark Ruffalo in this movie. I think it's a great choice. Uh, Andrew, you had he him on your list as well, right? Yeah, he is the best villain of the year, easily. Um, very charismatic. It's such a dichotomy and, and an eccentric character. Like, he can be so charming and, like, 
charismatic, and then he can be, in the next scene, the most vile and evil person you've ever seen. And it doesn't feel like two different characters. It feels like the same character each time. Yep. Um, I I think it's a great performance. I'm glad you guys talk about it. Uh, Robert, I think we're ready for your number seven. This is where I have Giamatti. Uh, mm. Anybody Trump. have a higher? Trump. All right. Trump. Wait. Trump! My number seven is... Boy, I don't think we've mentioned this movie yet in last week's episode or this week. Uh, Past Lives. Uh, I have Greta Lee in uh, Past Lives as my number I'll seven. Trump that one. All right. Trump! Glad to hear it, actually. Glad yes. to hear. Um, I'm all right. mention for me. Let's go on to number six. What is your number six, Andrew Ormsby? And will it get trumped? Probably, because all mine get trumped. <laughs> Going to go with Robert Downey Jr. and Oppenheimer. Yeah. Uh, Aaron, what is your number six? I'll pick Fantasia Barino from The Color Purple. Very nice. Go for it. Talk about Fantasia. Uh, I think there's certainly an argument to me that Danielle Brooks is the best performance of the movie, but I I wonder if it's one of those like quantity things where like she's Mm -hmm. just given so much more um, screen time. um, And Danielle Brooks does certainly get the moments that I think are the true like you know, written for the Oscar um, um, scenes, you know, like the Thanksgiving scene where she just turns this really intense moment to it. Anyway, sorry, Fantasia. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Um, She's just, she's so perfect in this role. She, she, she captures and conveys emotion um, in such a powerful way that it just like, it leaves me a sobbing mess. I'm weeping at the end of this movie. Um, in large regards to her uh, performance, I think she's um, she, she's just she's great in this movie. She she played the role on Broadway when it started, right? When the the show was I, on Broadway, I don't know anything about oh, okay. comparison to Broadway versus. Okay, okay, yeah, I just think she embodies the role uh, fabulously and uh, does a great job. And of course, her voice is just yeah phenomenal. Her singing voice, so. Uh, great choice uh, in at your number six. Robert, what do you got at number six? Uh, I just realized that when I just trumped Andrew for Downey at six, I also have him at six. So I well, also have him uh, at six. Look at that. Hey, Look, Robert Downey Jr. Six, six, six. Wait oh a my. minute. Hey. Uh, Strauss. So, <laughs> <laughs> I guess we should let Andrew talk about it first then, yeah. since we all have him at number six. Andrew, what, what are your thoughts on uh, Robert Downey Jr. and Oppenheimer? My second favorite villain of the year mm-hmm. <laughs> is Robert Downey Jr. Uh, yeah, it, it's it. It was difficult for me knowing so much about Oppenheimer and the Strauss character before going into this movie. Like I'd I'd read American Prometheus, so I knew who he was going to be from the get go. I knew he wasn't going to be the uh, the ally that uh, they kind of. Uh, uh, tote him to be in the beginning of the film. Uh, but still seeing that transformation of him um, and it all, it all stems from a misunderstanding of him and Einstein, which is great. And Aaron, you totally uh, opened my mind to the fission fusion mm-hmm. uh, elements of this movie and how that applies to Robert Downey Jr.'s character Strauss. Yeah. A, a great metaphorical character and a great performance. Yeah. Yeah. 
Good stuff. I guess he's uh, a literal character with metaphorical purpose behind him. But yeah. Robert, speak on some of the things you like about the RDJ performance. Uh, yeah, like I said last night, I rewatched Oppenheimer again, and I was realizing his whole speech at the end to Aaron Reich and the other guy in that room, he is almost completely right about how uh, Oppenheimer is full of himself and only out for the glory and wants to have all the credit but then be felt bad for. Um, but then, like Andrew said, because of this little misunderstanding, he took it all so personally um, that he actually is representative of uh, the broken systems that actually are only out for themselves and the people who make up those systems. Um, they don't actually care about, you know, the majority of citizens who are under threat of atomic bomb, but uh, they're the one they, they care about keeping their own power and being the U S cabinet and Downey plays it so well. Um, it just the different time periods. He plays all the different nuances so well. Um, he just the way he carries himself is different uh, from how, you know, Downey as it's, yeah, I was not expecting him to be so good going into the movie. And obviously he's one of my favorites of the year. I agree. I I think it's his best performance. Um, I've been a Downey fan for uh, a long time. Uh, he, What's so interesting about this character for me is, aside from the things that you guys already said, is that... that a lot of his pathos comes from projection. Mm-hmm. He is he is seeing in Oppenheimer his own faults. You know, he is yes. he is looking to Oppenheimer and claiming he's doing everything for the ego that, you know, he is, you know, wants to be the center of attention or whatever. He's seeing himself his own faults, but he's unaware of it. And there's that's just such an an interesting thing and you see that in what I think is the most bravura part of that performance at the end where he just goes off uh, you know, in the um in the room there. And just, you know, claims things that, by the way, I don't know not to be true about Oppenheimer. They may be right. true about yeah. Oppenheimer as well. Like, that's that's not the point. The point is they're true about him. Um, and he's kind of, uh, in in many ways, um, uh, you know, doing a little bit of, uh, of uh, self-destruction um, in that moment. So, uh, he, is, he is imploding because he is... Uh, fusion. So, uh, so yeah, it's it's a really interesting uh, performance and done really, really well. So that's why I have it at my number six uh, as well. Um, yep. All right, number fives. Uh, Andrew, what is your number five, and will it get trumped? Probably not. Uh, this is from American Fiction. It is Sterling K. Brown. Mm, good choice. Good choice. Who I think is giving the best performance in that film. Uh, the film in general is just gorgeous, and it easily made my top five of the year by just how unique and genuine it is. And Sterling K. Brown is the epitome of genuine in this film. Um, he is unabashedly himself, and I absolutely love him for it. It is it is one of two movies this year where um, he addresses, at least, uh, the the um the issue of homosexuality in the black community especially male homosexuality in the black community mm. uh and uh the other one would be biosphere if you haven't seen seen biosphere mm. um uh that that character in biosphere is not necessarily homosexual i don't want to spoil things but they're, they're they address kind of the the same issues uh with some of the things that happen in that movie um mm. and i think in both cases the performances are different but equally powerful and um he's giving a, a a very powerful performance in american fiction so good choice uh number 5 for you aaron uh 
I have Sandra Hewler here from an anatomy of a fall. I'll trump that one. Yeah. Trump! As you uh, should. Uh, <laughs> I, I am wrong. I admit I am wrong. <laughs> should have had it higher. Uh, Robert, what do you have uh, at your number five? This is where I have Greta Lee. Um, nice. Past lives I saw in the summer and obviously it blew me away. Uh, there are a couple other great performances in there, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but Greta Lee is my favorite of the three uh, main ones. Especially since I've seen oh, her, easy. yeah. Uh, especially since I've seen her uh, more on red carpets and just kind of being herself, I've noticed how different from herself she is in this performance. Or even in the morning show, she's so different in the morning show. I'll admit I haven't seen the morning show, but she was on an episode of New Girl I watched the other night and was also very different. <laughs> oh, so. that's fun. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, she's just excellent in this. She plays the subtlety so well, the the layers and the difficulty of the choice in the, in, in the internal uh, turmoil, maybe not even a choice, just the internal turmoil of what she's going through by having this character come back into her life. Um, yeah. She's really good. Yeah. The way she processes it. And, and again, I, I had uh, her at number seven, uh, the way she processes what's going on is so interesting to me. This, I think the scene that stands out is she, she may be brushing her teeth or, or something. They're kind mm-hmm. of getting ready for bed or whatever. And, He's asking her uh, about this man and he says things like, you know, is he attractive? And she's like, yeah, in that, you know, uh, stereotypical, you know, whatever masculine kind of way. He's like, do you find him attractive? And her response to that question is so authentic. Like, it's so real and interesting. Like, you can almost see the struggle in her of like, I want to be honest with this answer. And I want I want to I want, you know. Um, I think I'm being honest when I say I don't like, like mm-hmm. you can tell she's processing her feelings, not just stating some line that was written for her. Um, and uh, just that nuance is, is throughout her performance. I think it's, it's really, really good. So I'm glad, yeah. glad that we both had her on the list. Uh, let's see on to my number five. Um, this is where I have Coleman Domingo for Rustin. Um, I, I think still need to see this. This, this is the movie is, is good. Maybe even great. Um, it's, you know, not in my top of the year, but his performance is transformative and I, I love it when actors do this and I love Coleman Domingo and I love the work that he's doing, and he's so good uh, in this movie. Again, another movie that deals with homosexuality and black men, and um, and uh, processes uh, some of the history of that. Uh, so, yeah, Coleman Domingo, amazing in Rustin, is my number five. Almost had a big year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. It's color purple. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right, on to our number four. Uh, Andrew, what do you have at number four? Bo was afraid. Joaquin Phoenix. Mm, nice. Yeah, um, I've said it a trillion times. This movie was made for me, so I can see myself in this character. Uh, maybe that's why I have it so much higher than a lot of people. Uh, but uh, it's a very personal performance, and I definitely connected with it. And he is great in it. It's a great oh, yeah. performance. It, it really is a great performance. Um. So, yeah, I, I, I think that's a good pick at number four. Uh, Aaron, what do you have at number four? Uh, I can say a good thing about Killers of the Flower Moon now. That's why I have Lily Gladstone, <laughs> the best part of the movie. Uh, is that trumped or is, uh, is this the I also the have her at four. All right. Well, there you go. Um, Aaron, what, you start us off. Tell us about Lily. 
Yeah, I, like it's easily the best part of this movie. Her performance is just incredible. Her, see, like seeing her in the highs and the lows, um, you know, like when she she's clearly happy at the start of the movie and seeing that happiness just taken away from her and to like to the point where she's like being poisoned to death uh, and still she's killing this role and she could very easily win the Oscar this year and I'd be thrilled. All right, uh, Robert, some thoughts on Lily, who you also have at number four. Yeah, I agree with everything Aaron just said. I just think the movie around her is better than he thinks it is. Uh, but <laughs> there's something about like the stoicism that she brings to the to mm-hmm. the part. Um, she doesn't let a lot of stuff. Uh, she doesn't betray a lot of her emotions with her expressions, but you can tell that there's a lot going on underneath. Um, she's always analyzing the situation, especially like that first dinner scene with her and Ernest. Um, there's a lot going on. I think the movie is at its roughest patch when she's just kind of sick for a while. Um, but then when it comes back to her at the very end uh, with again, a scene with her and Ernest at a different table, she again gives, you know, it's one of the best movie moments of the year because of her, uh, you know, rock solidness um, in that moment, sticking to what she knows and the the heartbreak for herself and for you know her entire people yeah oh yeah andrew you had lily on your list as well yeah i had her at number eight some thoughts uh yeah just a genuine performance uh it's it's wild whenever you can go up against dicaprio and outshine him so congratulations Mm -hmm. to lily because this is her movie it's not his I agree. I agree. Um, All right. That brings us to my number four. Uh, This is where I have Sandra Huller uh, from Anatomy of a Fall. I'll still trump that. Trump! I also agree. Uh, Deservedly so. (laughs) Uh, All right. On to our number threes. Uh, Andrew, what is your number three performance of the year? Finally get to talk about Paul Giamatti and the holdovers. <laughs> Good. I'm glad you have him up so high. Talk yeah, about it. I had it at number three. What did you guys have it at? Nine. I had him at seven. ten. Nine and seven? Okay. And ten. Cool. Yeah. And ten? Okay. I just think that whenever Giamatti uh, gets together with Alexander Payne, just great things happen. And this is just another example of just brilliant, brilliant character development because there's so many layers to the uh, Hunnam performance. Yeah. Paul Giamatti, he's always been one of my favorites and he just proves it here again that he's one of the best. Yeah. Um, Robert, I think you had him at uh, seven. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, on top of what Andrew was saying, I <laughs> my favorite part of the performance, honestly, was just watching all the different faces that he made. Um, all of his body language and expressions just cracked me up the entire movie. It was easily my favorite part of the movie. Um, and then, then, of course, it's a very familiar type of story. So just watching his uh, softening of a character over the course of the movie, it's just a joy to watch because of that performance. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Aaron, you had him at number nine. Yeah. What are some of your thoughts? Uh, in a new, newish tradition to the sifties, Aaron's cutest performance of the year. <laughs> Paul Giamatti in the holdovers. Mm-hmm. He's just adorable, <laughs> and I want to hug him and hang out with him, even though he's a curmudgeon. Um, and he smells like fish. Yeah, <laughs> but he did like just uh, he he nails the little mannerisms, and you know, and he also like 
he just makes any scene just remarkably funny when it needs to be. Yeah, I had him at 10, and uh, I agree with everything that said. I, I think there's uh, there's this thing with that character, like, I know that guy. Like, I, mm-hmm. I know that guy. And, like, there's mm-hmm. almost a... I was trying to think of a way to say this, but there's almost like a nerddom geekdom kind of part of his personality that, that like I'm very familiar with in, you know, our circles in our world where, you know, there's just a surety to his pedanticness that is both, like you say, Aaron, adorable and at the same time, you know, um, infuriating. uh, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. A little bit infuriating. Um, but but it's just it's so perfect and it's so perfectly portrayed. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm glad he made all our lists. Um, and he doesn't he doesn't steal the show from other actors around him. Like he's a very gracious. It's a very gracious performance. Like Divine is like so good in this movie. But whenever they're on on screen together, they're not fighting each other for dominance of the scene. They're sharing it equally. Right. And yeah. that's the same with uh, uh, Dominic, is it Sessa? Dominic Sessa? Is that mm-hmm. how you say it? Yeah. Same. He, he's not a, he's not greedy with his performance, which I really appreciate. Best young performance of the year, according to the Critics' Choice Awards, uh, Dominic Sessa. Um, so there you go. Thoughts on Paul Giamatti. Um, and, I think then that brings us, Aaron, to your number three. Is that correct? Yeah, this is where I have my favorite maestro performance, uh, Snoopy from. It's <laughs> <laughs> oh, a great moment. It's a Jerry great moment. Mulligan is is by far the best performance Trump. in this movie. To me. Yeah, that's going right. to get trumped. Uh, all right, Robert, your number three. My number three. I'm finally at uh, Sandra Huller and Anatomy of the Fall. Um, nice. You, there's a lot that I love about this movie and this performance. Um, a lot of times courtroom movies can feel rote to me, but this one was as invigorating and exciting as anyone that I've ever seen. Um, the fact that she has to you know, switch between languages throughout the movie uh, is just a- adds extra layers and impressiveness to her performance. Uh, the way she interacts with her son and then the way that she uh, talks to like the investigators and the, uh, the people in court about whether or not she may have pushed her husband uh, in that titular fall. Yeah. There's just so much going on with that performance. And I love every second of it. I agree. I had her at number four. And I think the thing I love the most about the performance, it's, it's interesting. Uh, I, I saw her or heard her, I think in an interview afterwards, say something and she kind of said something where it was like, she thought the character did it. Hmm. Um, like, like almost like a slip. Like it was like, she said when I murdered him or, you know, <laughs> something like that. I can't, I have to look it up. You should look it up. Um, and I was, I was kind of severely disappointed because I was like, the thing I love about that performance is that it doesn't give anything away. It, it really feel like you can find yourself really believing her or also questioning her. Um, and, uh, and it, it, it creates both the conundrum of what do you want to believe and why do you want to believe it as well as giving you a character to have empathy for either way. Um, so yeah, I, I really love the Sandra Huller performance. Uh, who else had it on there? I think somebody else had it on their list. Aaron, you had it, uh, yeah, five. at number five, uh, so yeah. five, four and three. So yeah, to talk a little bit about it. It's a, it's a really great movie, but her performance is what makes it stand out. Um, uh, there's other performances that are also great in that. Maybe we'll get to them or maybe we won't, but uh, she's uh, 
Yeah, she like I think the right word to describe define her in this movie. She's she's a powerhouse. Um, mm-hmm. She's just you're right. Like she doesn't lead on to whether or not you think she did it. You kind of it's you go back and forth. You're like maybe she did, maybe she didn't. It's she's she's so untelling, uh, but also like you're sympathetic towards her. Uh, she's incredible. Yep. All right. Uh, so I believe that means uh, my number three. Mm-hmm. Uh, my number three is Bradley Cooper from Guardians of the Galaxy Volume <laughs> Three. No, just kidding. From Maestro, Bradley Cooper from Trump. Maestro. I figured Trump. it might get dropped. Uh, all right, on to our number twos. Uh, Andrew, what is your number two? Bradley Cooper from Maestro. <laughs> all right, Talk Robert. About did it. you want to? Yeah. <laughs> Robert, were you going to drop that? <laughs> Robert, Robert, did you have that? No, your number also one, my number two. So. <laughs> oh okay okay yeah um no it is it's not just the prosthetics the prosthetics are icing on the cake he was at my table by the he, way uh was he? yeah Kazu, <laughs> the prosthetic yeah the prosthetic was sitting in the, on my table the nose was the nose was sitting right next to you no That's the impressive. makeup artist that that did all that stuff uh i believe his name is Kazu. uh i hope i'm getting that correct um but uh but yeah he i talked to him a little bit about that um so yeah that was that was a lot of fun anyways continue tell him congrats because it's not just the prosthetics that's just the icing on the cake i think that is such a layered performance all Bernstein was thinking about in life besides music was love. Love for people, love for music, love for life, to his own detriment, really, because he loved too much. And I think that that's the main focus of the film, is about the love that Bernstein had, not the music that he created. Um, it's all of his life is about love, and I think that Bradley Cooper just perfectly encapsulates that. Very transformative performance. Uh, I had it at number three, and I guess I will use this opportunity. Although I'm, you know, I'll, we'll clearly talk about Maestro uh, more here in a bit, but I will use this opportunity specifically because it's about Bradley's performance to just say it is so hard for me to understand the specific dislike of the things he's doing that revolves around the tryhardiness of it, and I just, for once and all want to say what else is somebody supposed to do try less uh like you know it's there's this thing i think that happens where people associate wanting something with desperation and so that desperation or the sweat of that desperation sometimes leaks into ideas of um you know what makes something good or bad and i for one want people to just go for things. And I think he just goes for this and I think it works for me. Um, and again, I think a lot of it does have to do with the makeup, but I also think he is, he is doing, um, really, really incredible work, uh, throughout dis- despite, um, what people in Robert's life, uh, may have said about the conducting. <laughs> uh, I thought it was, it looked phenomenal, but I've never played in an orchestra. So, um, I do know he's trying to like his performance, but you know, Killian Murphy was my 10 of the year. I liked him more. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, So yeah. Phenomenal stuff from Bradley uh, is my number three. Uh, And Andrew, you had him at number two. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Aaron, your number two. I'm shocked. This person hasn't come up at all yet. I have divine Joy Randolph from the holdovers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cool. All right. 
Um, I, <laughs> I just like I'm. I'm there's shocked so that nobody's like me. Too. I'm not, yeah, not yeah. with you. I just there's so many great performances we want to mention. I I love the thing I love most about her performance is she is arguably the most complex of the three characters, and she's the least showy of the three as well. Mm-hmm. Like there's there's a, a subtleness to her performance that. You like you can see and feel the pain behind her, and she only lets you like partly. And I think she's just remarkable in this movie. And I never, I don't think I've ever seen her in anything before. Um, I only just started Only Murders yeah. in the Building, and she's in that one a little bit. I don't know what else she's in, but people are like, yeah, she's an up and comer. I'm like, cool. Like, I haven't seen her in anything else. So what a great first experience. I loved her in this movie. I'm glad. I'm glad we have her on one of the lists, and I'm glad that she's that high uh, because it's it's a phenomenal performance and well worth well worth talking about. Uh, Robert, what do you have at number two? Another movie which hasn't been mentioned at all in either of these parts, and which I might mention once or twice more: uh, Andrew Scott and All of Us Strangers. Mm-hmm. Um, again, many people haven't seen it, so I don't want to spoil too much. But he is talking to his parents in a way that you don't really see in in movies of people talking to their parents. And talking to a uh, romantic interest in the same way. Um, but specifically what got me is the parent stuff. And um, every time he has conversations with his parents, he has he reverts to that childlike state while still maintaining the maturity and world weariness of a 40-something man. Um, and the fact that he's able to s- simultaneously uh, be both of those at the same time absolutely blows my mind. Um and then, of course, there are just like a couple of scenes towards the end where he gets to full on capital A act. Um, and when he does that, um, like I said, he just breaks me down uh, with his performance. The writing obviously has a lot to do with it. And like I said, I'll get into that more. But um, it's an excellent performance that I absolutely loved. Um, saw myself in a lot. Uh, great, great stuff. Phenomenal stuff. Um, I uh, The performance in the movie does this amazing thing that is possibly like the biggest life lesson I've learned over the past decade, probably one of my later life lessons, which is we are all always the child version of ourself. Like that, like that is something that, that like we think we're going to evolve escape, you know, whatever. And it's just like, Oh no, that stuff was locked into us pretty early on, not just us, but our parents, our parents are also the child version of themselves. And when you start to, I think uh, Petite Maman is another one that that played on this uh, recently really, really well. When you start to understand that all the adults you interact with, all the humans you interact with are children, uh, just trying to figure out what it means to be an adult, um, then it, it really kind of adds this level of empathy uh, and this, this level of understanding that we can all have for each other. Um, and, uh, in this movie portrays that very well. And Andrew Scott, uh, portrays that understanding both ways, right? Like the understanding of his own, who he is and the understanding of his parents and who they are. Um, and man, the, the moments in your life, when you start to realize that these pieces of the world around you are also fully realized individual human beings, your parents or whatever it is, um, are just so important in our lives. And uh, this movie captures that, I think, really, really well. So I'm glad glad you got a shout out on that one. Yeah. Um, all right. My number two has already been mentioned. Uh, and I don't remember how many have mentioned it. So it may get Trump. But I have Emma Stone, Poor Things, uh, at number two. <laughs> we'll get trumped. Uh, all right. On to our number ones. 
Andrew Ormsby, what is your number one performance of the year? Aaron, I think you and I have the same number one. Carrie Mulligan from Maestro. That is my number one of the year as well. Yes. Talk about it. She did ev- She did everything Bradley Cooper did, and she did it without prosthetics. <laughs> she, may have had, she may have had a few prosthetics later on, but not, not many. Yeah. Um, yeah. A transformative performance. And By the way, the same could be said of Barry Keoghan, but we don't have to go there. So continue. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Which nobody mentioned. Has nobody mentioned Saltburn? No, once this I, we haven't entire... mentioned Saltburn at all in the in the podcast yeah. yet. So yeah, it's wild. Um, but yeah, Carrie Mulligan, uh, absolutely amazing. Whenever she gives that uh, uh, that speech to Sarah Silverman, and she's like, "No, I I knew who he was from the get go. There's no apology needed. Um, uh, I just." I didn't think it was selfish selfish of me to think I could change him, I think is what she says. Well, um, she says uh, something along the lines of I'm realizing I was the problem or some, something of the, like I'm realizing my own response. She says something that indicates she's realizing her own responsibility in yeah. the, the separation. Yeah. And I really wish I could remember word for word what she said, because I do remember it being just beautiful and like perfectly encapsulating how that character should have felt in that moment. And the fact that that speech leads directly into Mahler's second symphony, symphony is just brilliant because mm-hmm. it just perfectly encapsulates it. Yeah. Great performance. The best of the year. Uh, I agree. I, I have that performance at number one as well. Um, I, th- I think she's astonishing. I think that the, the transformation of that character from the, the person they are at the beginning to the person they are um, at the end of their life um makes the the interesting possibility that we're dealing with uh a maestra not a maestro if you want to get all gender about it uh mm. that is the title of this movie um uh makes that more valid uh because we are really you know there is there's one full life we see in this movie and it's hers and uh and she does an, an incredible job uh at portraying that and aaron i know you had uh carry on your list as well where did you have her yeah at three um it says something again i liked cooper's performance but she steals every scene she's in uh when she gets a chance to she's so good uh she's been one of my favorite actresses for a while um and this is her best performance to date um yeah it's a. Uh, she she it's she's she's every second she's on the screen like you just can't look away. Yeah. Yeah. Uh the one quote I did find maybe this isn't the one you're talking about Andrew but the one quote I did find was where she says it's my own arrogance to think I could survive on what he could give. Um Yes, that's what it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um mm-hmm. pretty pretty amazing stuff and and you know the internality of uh, everything she says is is just uh great. So, yeah, there you go. Um Andrew's number one. Robert, my number do you one. Agree? Carrie and... Mulligan, Maestro. <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't think she's bad, but she's not in my top ten. Uh, Aaron, <laughs> what is your number one performance of the year? Well, I mentioned I really like the subtlety of Divine Joy Randolph's performance, so it should be no surprise that Emma Stone is my favorite performance of the year <laughs> for poor things. A very subtle performance, yes. super subtle. Uh, I I think the this movie lives and dies on her performance, and she. This is, I haven't seen the curse yet, but this is my favorite performance of her career so far. Um, she just captures that childlike sense of wonder. Um, 
that like young Bella Baxter has. It's captivating. It's charming. It's it's just so much fun to be around. And when she matures like rapidly, uh, like she, we still follow her through that and through her sophistication and her in some senses cunning. I, I think she's just all over. She, she gets to display a wide array uh, of, of her performances and, or of her abilities, a wide range. And uh, again, this movie just lives and dies on her more than any other uh, movie this year. And uh, she makes it one of my favorite movies of the year. I agree. I had her at number two. Um, I think there, there's a lot of amazing things about the performance. You mentioned the childlikeness of it. One of the most interesting things to me about this performance, and I've spoken a little bit about this before, is that that childlike thing, and again, just talked about the fact that we're all children and you know, in our in our heads in one way or another, <laughs> is interesting to me because on a different level, she is playing a two-year-old and a sixteen-year-old at the same time. So she is, you know, she is playing an infant who is also post. Uh, adolescence, you know, who is um, post-puberty. She's playing a post-puberty two-year-old. And uh, actually, I just heard a, 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 a podcast recently. I think it may have been Radio Lab. This is an actual medical condition. There are, there are actual, uh, there have been um, people that uh, have their pituitary gland or whatever has fired pu- puberty, like when they're children and like them having to figure that out and deal with that, um, the testosterone or the different hormones, um is a wild thing, but you know, she not only plays a a two-year-old and a 17-year-old at the same time, she plays a three-year-old and a 30-year-old at the same time, you know, later, like there's this, her entire performance is within the first couple years of her life. And yet she is, you know, progressing through what it means to be an adult human um, and to find adulthood. And it's just such a beautiful concept. And and you're right. uh, Her performance seals the deal. Like it doesn't work without her nailing that performance. And she does it really, really well. So that's why I had her at number two. I think everybody had her on the list somewhere. Who had her next down the the list? I had her at eight. Okay. Okay. So, Andrew, you had her at seven. So talk a little bit about it. Yeah, uh, just wild, just absolutely wild. Um, uh, you guys have hit pretty much everything I was going to say nail on the head, so I'll pass it over to Robert. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to also point out that within this movie, it also shows her before she's Bella for like three total shots. Right. But uh, her physical demeanor and her facial expressions are completely different, but just as believable as a person. Um, someone in the situation that she is when you see her. Um, so that that adds to the layers of the performance to me. Also, uh, I want to go punch that baby is one of my favorite line <laughs> deliveries of the year. So I'll just finish on that. Well, and she sells it so well because she immediately gets up. Right? She, yeah. like she sells over. that joke yeah. so well. Yeah. 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 And her interactions with the lady on the cruise ship are just some of my favorite mm-hmm. moments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's good stuff. Uh, all right. So, Robert, I think you're the only one left to give your number one. Yeah, I'm shocked that uh, Killian Murphy is the only one, or I'm the only one that I have <laughs> him this high. Um, again, he absolutely blew me away. Um, the character of Oppenheimer and what we were talking about with the Aaron Reich and the Downey performances, um, he has this ego and this pride to him, but then he also has the regret later in life. Mm -hmm. Um, after the whole Los Alamos stuff. Um, But it also, with his performance, you're wondering whether he deserves to be able to have that regret, whether it's valid 
um, because of what he did, because of his ego and because of him only being able to see theory and not, you know, the, the execution mm-hmm. of the theory. Right. Um, yeah. I've seen Killian Murphy in a bunch of stuff um, and obviously in, in interviews and stuff, but to see him transform and to embody this so fully um, that you almost, even though he, his face isn't really made up until some of the, the later, you know, portions of his life, you don't see Killian Murphy. Um, you see Oppenheimer and this isn't like a Freddie Mercury, Tammy Faye type of performance either where they're in so much kicked in so much makeup or doing something very iconic, like with Freddie Mercury, he's just fully living as this other person. And it absolutely blows me away. Um, yeah. On top of the questions that it has me thinking about with whether he deserves to be, you know, guilt, feel guilty and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's a great performance. Uh, I just think there were at least 10 that were greater in my estimation this year. Um, but yeah, he is doing some incredibly intricate work with that yeah. performance. And that's not easy to do, uh, to have so much under the surface. Um, you know, he doesn't he doesn't get to be as demonstrative as some of these other uh, performances because so much of what he's processing is internal. Um more along the lines of the Greta Lee performance, right? Like that's a more yeah. internal yeah. Uh, performance uh, and subtle. Um, so yeah, I, I totally get what you are, are saying there. So there are our top 10 performances of the year. We do pick an official Sif Pop performance of the year. We will do that shortly. Um, and uh, before we do that, a look back at some previous Sif Pop performances of the year. Uh, Natalie, Natalie Portman. For Jackie, won the very first Sif Pop performance wow. of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Also, uh, last year was Kehui Kwan uh, mm-hmm. for Everything Everywhere that won. Um, we also had Timothy Chalamet with Beautiful Boy won the performance of the year uh, one year. Um, and that's a great performance. Uh, Saoirse Ronan for Lady Bird won mm-hmm. the performance of the year her year. Uh, but this year sounds like to me it's going to come down to Emma Stone or Carrie Mulligan um, in or Paul Giamatti. We all have Paul Giamatti on the list too. What yeah, are some Robert of your thoughts? Robert didn't have Carrie Mulligan Correct. at all. Correct. But we all had Giamatti. We all had Emma Stone. Yep. I would oh, go Giamatti one. over Stone in that if that's the two. Where did but you know. guys have Paul Giamatti at? Uh, Ten? Seven. We were all kind of like in the five to ten range were we i know robert hates it or doesn't hate it i should say but where do you have carrie mulligan schweitzer uh three yeah it's it, the kind of thing is like do you value the one one three more than you value yeah. the if if it were if it were carrie mulligan one one three and giamatti where it's like uh you know five seven eight nine or whatever it was i don't remember exactly what it was who had him the highest who had giamatti the highest i think Andrew which was Andrew, where'd three. you? Three? Three, okay. So like three, seven, eight, nine, or whatever it was. Um, I would probably go with Carrie Mulligan. But the fact that Emma Stone is a number one, a, a number, number two. two um, Andrew, where did you have her? Seven. Seven. And, but I'm and okay with eight. her yeah. getting it for the year. I, I think I think that's the way to go. I think yeah. uh, I, I would uh, put forth that Emma Stone is probably the way to go. Any disagreement with that? I mean, it's my number one, so <laughs> no, of course not. <laughs> the official best performance of the year for 2023 goes to Emma Stone in Poor Things. Well-deserved, uh, great performance. And uh, I think uh, that that is a well, well-deserved 
uh, answer to that question. All right, before we get to our best movies, let's have a little bit of fun talking about those best movie moments of the year. Um, how do we usually do this I'm with one? you, Aaron. This is my favorite category. Me too. I, I, I love this category. Um, I was just trying to find, I can't remember. We don't do nominations and pick one on this. We just kind of pick our own best movies on this one, don't we? I think uh, we picked, yeah. We pick because oh, we I do remember. Pick. Yes, uh, no, we absolutely do pick. So this is nominations in a choice like the other yep. um, superlatives. So we'll do three rounds of nominations and then we will pick the official best movie moment of the year. Um, Robert, start us <laughs> off. What is your first nomination for best movie moment of the year? My favorite moment from Oppenheimer is the something more important line from Aaron Reich to Downey. Um, Mm. Uh, that's mm-hmm. just like the culmination of everything coming together mm-hmm. and it just like has me hooting and hollering when he says that <laughs> very nice something more important from Oppenheimer um, I'll go second I'm going to nominate um, I'm going to nominate you're so beautiful from Barbie um, this mm. was a this was a moment um, where uh, they're sitting on a bench. It's a moment that Greta Gerwig had to fight for to keep in the movie. But basically, she sees another woman sitting there, an older woman, and says, you're so beautiful. And the woman says, I know. And it's just this bang, bang, emotional, beautiful moment that I think encapsulates everything that makes that that movie pretty amazing. By the way, maybe our first mention of Barbie in both yeah. of these podcasts, despite yeah. the fact that it owned uh, the the box office. Um, I did have Ryan Gosling as my number eleven performance. Oh, that's true. We didn't do we didn't do honorable mentions on the performances. And Robert, I know I know you had one that you wanted to to oh, mention yeah. as as well. So let's let let me finish my thoughts here on "You're So Beautiful," mm-hmm. and then and then we'll go back and do some honorable mentions because uh, I do want to do that. Um, but yeah, anyhow, that movie that uh, moment not only hit me the first time I watched it, it hit me every time I've I've watched Barbie, which is three times now. I've I've seen Barbie, and that moment every time just fills me with this beautiful feeling of love and wells my eyes. So I wanted to nominate it. Um, uh, thank you. Appreciate that. Yes. Let's do some honorable mentions for those top 10 performances. Um, because yes, Ryan Gosling is worth mentioning. Robert, what was, uh, what was the honorable mention that you wanted to throw out there? Oh, the first mention of this movie was Jason Schwartzman in asteroid city, uh, which I also watched Mm -hmm. for the fourth time last night. He's amazing (laughs) in that movie. Uh, I just needed to throw that out there. Yeah, but it's just his second best performance of the year, though. That's the problem. (laughs) He's so good in Hunger Games. Oh, I thought you meant in the episode of I Think You Should Leave. (laughs) (laughs) That too. Uh, Um, Did you have any others, Aaron? Yeah, I'll throw out. uh, We briefly mentioned Dominic Sessa from Holdovers. Uh, Willem Dafoe in Poor Things is also uh, really great. And Haley Steinfeld is the best performance in Across the Spider-Verse. Nice. I wanted to mention uh, uh, Michael Machado Grainer, I believe is how you say that but the kid from anatomy of a fall yeah um is uh, just phenomenal in that movie um, that's who you voted for for young performance isn't it yeah it is it is and it wasn't easy Seth is a great performance but um i think there's more to that uh grainer performance um i think it's, it's i agree it's good stuff all right let's get back to the best movie moments uh andrew your first nomination Mahler's second symphony yeah the cathedral from scene maestro. in maestro all right. Um, did you? Uh, I know Aaron, you know this, but I don't know if uh, Schweitzer and Robert know that. Uh, I watched this movie in my car. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. 
um, because my car has the best uh, sound system out uh-huh. of everything I own. <laughs> so watching that Mahler's on my iPad with this glorious uh, car audio, uh, it it wrecked me emotionally. It wrecked me. Um, seen the movie a couple times now, and every single time it breaks me. Yeah. There's just so much raw, powerful emotion in that scene. And how it ends with uh, Carrie Mulligan walking up to him and saying, you have no hate in your heart, slays me every single time. Yep. So Worth mentioning for sure. Um, if you can consider six minutes a movie moment, uh, it, is, <laughs> it is definitely uh, worth mentioning. Uh, all right, Aaron, what is your first nomination? I'm going to start off with a huge heavyweight, wink, wink, um, hmm. from the Iron Claw, the line, <laughs> I used to be a brother. Mm. Oh, and now I don't. Oh, kills you <laughs> oh. every time. Ah, uh. yeah, that's a good one. Uh, another movie, amazing movie that we haven't mentioned haven't yet. Mentioned. Nobody's mentioned. Yeah, um, yeah, good choice, good choice. All right, let's uh, let's do another round of nominations. Robert, what what next? Uh, uh, the, the Scorsese scene in Killers of the Flower Moon, like the one where he appears, because uh, I guess the every Coda. other scene is the yeah. Scorsese scene. Um, yeah, like, like I was saying earlier, uh, it's the systems in place that let Marty make the movie, um, that are the problem, but it's the acknowledgement of that being in there, uh, is kind of devastating. Um, and the way that he does it is just excellent. Right. That the fact that it's done in a very accurate representation of something that actually happened, which was the radio play Mm -hmm. of this event, and, you know, the the mistakes of that radio play and how, you know, it dramatizes and, and contextualizes things as, you know, opposed to what he wanted to do and, you know, the, the juxtaposition of that, I thought was really smart. I thought that was really brilliant. So um, that is a great choice. Uh, all right. I guess we're on to my second nomination. I'm going to go for what I'm calling the walk home from past lives. Uh, And uh, again, this is the finish of that movie. And I think one of the stronger movie finishes of the year. There's so much in just that simple walk home and the embrace at the end of it um, that it it really impacted me. So I wanted to nominate that for movie moment of the year. Andrew, your second nomination this is a piece of trinitite. <laughs> it happened whenever the very first atomic bomb in Los Alamos exploded. It created a new element. Trinity is not my pick. <laughs> <laughs> it's Godzilla minus one's atomic blast. Ah. So, yeah. Uh, it did atomic blast better than... Um, than what Christopher Nolan did, and that's saying something. So, congratulations. The Atomic Blast from Godzilla Minus One. Aaron, your fourth nomination. I'm starting to do math, and I'm not sure I'm going to get all these out of here. All right. um, My favorite moment of the year is uh, in Guardians of the Galaxy 3, uh, where Rocket is told that it's all about him. It's Mm. always been about him. Mm. Rocket's moment. From GOTG3. 
All right. Uh, so I think that means we've all got one more nomination left. Robert. That you'll let me. <laughs> <laughs> we'll uh, talk about some others. I'll just say the diner scene at the end of All the Strangers. Um, there's one of the most devastating lines that I've ever heard <laughs> in a movie. Um, yeah, just the interaction between Andrew Scott and Claire Foy and Jamie Bell. Uh I don't cry a lot at movie. Like I rarely do. People say that they wept or this or that. At movies. Same with I, me. Barely ever cry at movies. It's like <laughs> so weird if I do. It actually is with me, and I was like very much crying at that scene. Nice. And a few other moments in that, but that's the most moving one for me. Uh, my final nomination will be Ballister stands on the sword, uh, and that's from Nimona. Um, uh, just one of the most striking images of the year and just a beautiful beautiful moment uh that i wanted to nominate andrew what is your final nomination i am gonna go with a scene from oppenheimer uh which i'm just gonna call intimate secrets and it's the scene where during the interrogation of oppenheimer we see him and florence Pugh having sex while they are being interviewed it's one of the most uh, ex- exposed, like exposing scenes I've ever seen in a film. Like it's just literally and figuratively, two people bare stripped naked and being fully exposed, and mm-hmm. all their secrets are out. It is for me the number one scene from the movie, uh, just because I uh, didn't expect to see anything like it. Yet it so perfectly encapsulates how. Oppenheimer is feeling in that moment and not only him, but you see Emily Blunt watching and how she reacts to it says words as well. I'm going to make eye contact with Florence Pugh at that moment too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I'm going to label that uh, sexual in tarot course uh, from (laughs) from Oppenheimer. Uh, Aaron. Oh boy. Finish us off. Yeah, you gotta pick one. I know. I, I I know which one I'm gonna pick. Um, and it's it's also from Godzilla minus one. And while I do love the atomic breath, there's a moment where a character is just simply given a command to live. Ooh, yeah. Command to live from Godzilla minus one. All right, so we have our nominees. Uh. Let's go ahead and do some honorable mentions uh, before we get into picking our favorite movie moment of the year. Aaron sounded like you were struggling, so oh, why, yeah. don't, why don't you uh, list some others? Well, the best moment from Oppenheimer is where the bomb goes off in Japan, and that not getting mentioned almost seems criminal when we had three other moments go off. Uh, oh, were um, you talking about the uh, the stamping with yeah, the feet? Yes. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, my favorite scene of the year is the finale to The Color Purple. Uh, mm, where I'm mm-hmm. almost just crying just thinking about it. <laughs> We're talking about my favorite moments of the year. They're mm-hmm. just like past lives ending and Iron Claw and the tr- I'm like, <laughs> yes. I'm about to start bawling my <laughs> eyes <laughs> Well, you wouldn't be the first person to cry on this podcast, so yeah. you, you, you feel free. Feel free. <laughs> We're not live streaming, so it's all good. Uh, and the, the, my, the other one <laughs> that I had, uh, which I agree, Aaron, should have been the best original song is Camp Isn't Home from Theater Camp. Yes. Yeah. The, the Again, another end of a movie that just kind of brings everything together. Um, yeah, Camp Isn't Home is just this beautiful... It's almost a magic trick. 
it's a magic yeah. trick that they do with that song. Um, so very, very nice. Robert, did you have any other scenes that you wanted to throw out there? I'll just throw out two more. Uh, the alien scene from Asteroid City. Uh, I love mm-hmm. the whimsy of that. It's amazing. And uh, the Rome car chase from Mission Impossible, which we also haven't yeah. mentioned. That's true. We haven't mentioned Dead Reckoning. Um, it, it, what's wild is we, we didn't mention the motorcycle jump in right. best movie movie moment of the year, which clearly, if the marketing is to believe, it must have it. been be- the best movie moment of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a great moment. I feel like because they marketed it so it hard, to death. Yeah. yeah, that it, it was underwhelming when it actually happened, which is very difficult to do. Um, I wanted to mention also from Asteroid City, the balcony scene, um, yeah, yeah. which was really, really phenomenal. Uh, Andrew, did you have any others you wanted to mention? Yeah, real quick, I'll throw out Trinity from Oppenheimer. I'm just Ken from Barbie, mm-hmm. and we need to listen to black authors from American fiction. That's a great moment, too. Yes, yes. It's my favorite part of the entire movie. The three the three white author, authors telling the two black authors we need to yeah. listen more to, to black authors is just top-notch. Yeah. My other favorite moment from American fiction is where he's like, I don't deal with that kind of racism in my day-to-day life, and the cab immediately passes him cab. by. <laughs> <laughs> it's such perfect timing. It's amazing. Uh, all right. So we have the nominees. Uh, here are some previous winners of Best Movie Moment. I'm going to read them all just because I love this category so mm-hmm. much. The very first yeah. Best Movie Moment has actually already been mentioned on this podcast. It involves Alden Ehrenreich. The very fir- oh. uh, first is uh, Would That It Were So Simple from Hail Caesar, won the very first movie moment uh, awesome. of the year. Uh, Remember Me from Coco, uh, mm-hmm. starting mm-hmm. that song, won uh, movie moment of the year. Uh, oh no, he died from game night uh, <laughs> one, one movie moment of the year deservedly uh, so deservedly so that was uh 2018 2019 wait no no do i have that wrong oh. sorry uh yeah that was 2019 2020 uh best movie movie moment of the year was uh hammer time for cap uh from yeah. uh end game uh, the next year was the sudden restaurant knife from the invisible man. Uh, one movie moment uh-huh. of the year. Uh, the, are you okay from no way home? One, uh, movie moment <laughs> of the year. And then last year, not to, not to from RRR oh. one movie moment wow. of the year. Forgot so fun that. category as always now begins the discussion. Here are the nominees, the cathedral from maestro. I used to be a brother from the iron claw. Scorsese speaks from killers of the flower moon, the walk home from past lives, the atomic blast from Godzilla minus one rockets moment from guardians of the galaxy three, the diner scene from all of us strangers. Ballister stands on the sword from Nimona sexual and tarot course from Oppenheimer <laughs> and command to live from Godzilla minus one um what movie moment do we want to immortalize from 2023 who wants to start off the discussion is it weird that i really want the atomic blast from godzilla minus one to win <laughs> it's not weird other not thoughts gonna, but it's weird. well i mean listen anything can happen we just all have to coalesce somewhere um other other thoughts i'll i'll mention ones that i wrote down that were nominated by other people uh, okay include the ending to past lives the performance in maestro and the coda in colors of the flower moon i had all of them listed okay that other people all right any other crossover that anybody else had that other people mentioned 
past lives and the coda also. Okay. And I was um, also thinking you mentioned Iron the Claw. coda, didn't you? Yeah. 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 Uh, what were you saying, Robert? Iron the Ironclad moment I I loved a lot too. Maybe not best of the year. Oh though. yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of good moments here. Um I also thought about the reunion from Iron Claw, but you know, it's it's like meeting the brother. Right. Mm-hmm. There's there's an interesting thing with the Maestro thing where you know, I, I, Andrew and I clearly love that movie more than you two do. So, like, it's one of those things where I just don't think the Maestro things are going to win in these categories this year, which is fine because it that's what it should yeah. be. It should be a consensus kind of idea. Um, in that, I would probably lean towards that maestro scene is my movie moment of the year but i actually like kind of going towards like something like past lives that we all seem to really really find impacting and it's this really incredible movie moment andrew what are you thinking how do you feel about that or do you have other ways you want to go i'm not as up on past lives as the rest of you guys are i Mm -hmm. think it's a good movie if it wins best movie moment i'm okay with it but uh then what about scorsese and flower moon Again, I don't like him in oh, okay. imposing himself inside of his own film, but that's just me. Sure. Um, trying to because think- I'm with Aaron oh. whenever he's saying, uh, "If yeah, then don't make the movie. If you're going to say that you shouldn't be making the movie, then don't make the movie." That's kind of how I felt about it. Schweitzer, what were you about to say? I just I think there's a really strong case for it's my nomination, so of course there is. But for the <laughs> for either the Iron Claw or Godzilla minus one, but I don't begrudge past lives or Maestro. Obviously, they were listed as mine as well. But because to me, both of those moments encapsulate the entire film. They're kind of like we mentioned during Spider Man No Way Home, like that that redemption moment where he asked, are you okay? Is the pinnacle of that fight scene. So whereas we were going back and forth between the fight and that one moment, it's like, well, it's moment, right? It's not right. I, I see. I also see the argument of the church scene is a six minute scene. So, I mean, but if we wanted to narrow it down to the, there's no hate in your heart. Like that's also like that works for me, but I think the, especially with what Godzilla minus one is trying to tackle, you know, about the ex kamikaze pilot. And then he's finally given a tool and, and and he's not he's not given the option, but he is commanded. He's like, you come home from this fight um, when he has been shamed of the whole movie up until then is uh, I think there's a really strong case for that one to me. I, w- I was going to say that would be a good out of the box pick. That's what I was going to go to after that. The live, live moment from Godzilla. Yeah. Because I, really I think I'm OK that with too. that. I think I'm OK with that. Uh, I think um, I think that's a really great movie moment. And I think it is it is emblematic of what makes that movie work so well as mm-hmm. well which is it's about the humans you know being impacted by the monsters not just about ooh, look at the big monsters stomp around and fight each other like it's you know yeah. it's emblematic of what that movie is trying to say which is this new uh, not n- new thing in general but new thing that the godzillas uh have really said which is the idea of really digging into uh, japan's war um, morality and their, the, you know, the way they treated the war. I don't think we've really seen that in a Godzilla movie before. Into, uh, and that really defines that whole thematic process. So I, I think I'm, I'm really good with that. So the official 2023 movie moment of the year is Command to Live 
from Godzilla minus one. Um, I don't think you guys can fully appreciate just from my face right now how much I'm stoked that a Godzilla moment <laughs> one movie of the year, movie moment of the year. Congratulations. It's, oh boy. And it's, Andrew shares this so win sweet. with many Thank people you, who put hard Thank work you. into that movie. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, all right. Uh, we are going to now finish off with our top 10 movies of the year. I say finish off. Actually, we will finish off with the Sif Pop movie of the year, which is uh, picked uh, beyond us. It's picked by all the Sif Pop contributors. So we will do that last. But before we get there, let's talk about our top 10 movies of 2023. Trump rules apply. Uh, Robert, start us off. What is your number 10? Well, get your button ready. It's poor things. Woo! <laughs> uh, Aaron, what is your number ten? The color purple. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's. It, I think that there is certainly an argument about why the movie sometimes doesn't work because of tonal disparages between, uh, or total like separations because of going from like an upbeat musical to a woman being beaten or something like that. Um, I just think it really nails the moments that it needs to, and it's. Uh, I honestly don't know that any of the songs particularly stood out to me, but I don't. I, it's got the best choreography I've seen in a movie ever, I think, uh, and that's certainly not to be um, discounted. I praise. Yeah, 
No, that's good stuff. Um, all right, Robert, you're number 10. I started with poor things. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I was going in the other order this time. It's up to you, Aaron. Uh, no, it's you, Andrew, actually. I'm going in, uh, going uh, counterclockwise. Uh, Andrew, what is gotcha. your number 10? I'm going to go with Killers of the Flower Moon. Trump. Trump! Uh, my number 10 will also get trumped. I'm going with uh, Dungeons & Dragons Honor Among Thieves as my number 10. Yes, it is. Trump! All right, on to our number nines. Robert, what do you got at number nine? This is where I have Iron Claw. Mm. Um, okay. Trump! Uh, Aaron, number nine. Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 3. All nice. right, speak All on right. <laughs> Um, I think I'm the only one that gets to talk today, guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I think it's the weakest of the trilogy, but it's still a top 10 movie of the year to me, which is uh, saying something. Uh, there's certainly some, some decisions that I disagree with, especially in terms of who lives and who dies, especially when characters clearly died and then are just brushed off um, and like, nope, they lived. They survived that thing. Uh, I think it just carries um, all of the... Um, the emotional weight that this franchise has uh, been building. So I think it's got some of the best moments and um, the coolest, the best soundtrack of the year, maybe the best audio experience, if you were to believe uh, my article for the sifties, uh, mm-hmm. but um, best soundtrack of the year, for That's sure. Best soundtrack, but I mean, just even the audio experience, right? it's gotten some of the best needle drops. It's, I, I just think the movie just works perfectly. All right. There you go. Uh, so that brings us to Andrew, your number nine. Nine. Yep. Godzilla minus one. I will trump that surprisingly. Yay! I'm glad somebody trumped it. Very nice. All right. Uh, my number nine. Will it get trumped? I don't know. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 is my number nine. I think I like this movie more than most people, actually. Um, I had it uh, this high. Um, And a lot of that has to do, in my opinion, with the movie's ability to be both a part one and also a complete movie. And I really, really enjoyed the... Uh, the narrative structure, the dramatic structure of this movie. And then, of course, you have all the amazing um, scenes, including a train scene that was one of my favorite uh, scenes of the year and uh, should have been one of my honorable mentions for movie moments uh, was almost the Rube Goldbergian uh, train escape scene in uh, (laughs) Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. So that is my number nine movie of the year. Uh, Let's move on to number eight. What do you got, Robert? Uh, just want to say Mission Impossible is my 13, so I also really liked it. My number oh, nice. eight. Good, 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 good. Yeah, this is where I have Godzilla at, at eight. Um, I think ahead of this movie, the only Godzilla movies I'd ever seen were that current franchise that's going on right now, and I don't particularly like any of those. Um, and I only went to see it because I edited Heath's review for the site, who said he really loved it, and then just like critics and other friends just kept saying this movie's great. And I said, like, all right, fine, you broke me down, I'll go see it. And I was absolutely blown away. Uh, like we were saying earlier, the stuff about uh, the, J- the Japanese attitude towards war at this time was fascinating. And I've never seen um, any war movie, you know, take that on, let alone a Godzilla movie. Um, so it gave me something to think about for someone who's kind of tired of war movies, all giving very similar messages. Um, and on top of that, it's just 
a very exciting and cool movie to watch. If you don't care about themes or ideas or you don't care about characters, you still get awesome moments of, you know, Godzilla destruction. So it has just about everything going right for it, except for like a couple tiny nitpicks that I had, but everything else I absolutely adored. Very nice. Andrew, you had it at number 10? Uh, Nine. Or number nine. Yes, that's right. Uh, going off what Robert said uh, about it being, you know, uh, a commentary on Japanese war uh, ethics back in the day, um, you got to remember this is a Japanese movie too. Mm-hmm. It's not like this is right. an American movie right. talking about Japanese war uh, etiquette and stuff like that. This is self commentary, uh, looking back on a country, looking back and self reflecting. I think that that's what made the original Godzilla from 1954 so incredible and what makes this so incredible is that they are both commentaries on humans uh, ideologies towards war and the monster is the metaphor for the destruction and the atrocities that it brings so yeah it's utterly fantastic and I'm glad that I'm not the only one that had it on my list yeah uh, good stuff, good stuff. On to Aaron's number eight. The Holdovers. Oh, Trump. Trump! Uh, on to Andrew's number eight. Talk to me. Ooh, nice. Go for it. Yeah. Like I said, I've seen this movie seven times this year. That's crazy. Why have I seen it so much? <laughs> I'll tell you why. Because there's so much to unpack from this movie. I think that there are metaphors abound in this movie. This movie could be a metaphor for drug addiction. This movie could be a, a metaphor for uh, emotional, like a, a personal loss in a family. Mm-hmm. Um, this movie could be a metaphor for getting over your uh, fear of uh, isolation, like if you don't feel like you belong to a group or you have friends or anything like that. There's so many things that this movie is talking about. And the fact that it's made by YouTubers... It's so cool. I've talked to the Rocka Rocka guys a couple times, uh, not about this movie, I mean, a long time ago, back whenever I was doing YouTube. And uh, they're just the nicest guys, and they are so creative. And I'm so glad that they're getting the praise, and I hope that they get to make more projects. Nice. Talk to me is Andrew's number eight. Uh, my number eight is the artifice girl, uh, all the way up in my top 10. Like I said, really love this movie Oh, and, uh, hope that more people get a chance to see it on to our number sevens. Robert, what do you got at number seven? This is where I have killers of the flower moon. Um, I might've hoped the Scorsese movie would be a little bit higher. Um, but that's just to, this speaks to the quality of him as a filmmaker, obviously. Uh, yeah, we kind of talked about everything that is great about it. Uh, all of the complaints that people have, except except for one, none of them bother me. It uh, Molly being sick does put the focus a little bit too much on the FBI for me, but everything else uh, I just think works to perfection. Very nice. Uh, who else had killers on their list? Andrew, Ten. talk about it. Uh, I've I've said many a thing about Killers of Flower Moon today, so I'll just say that I don't think we've given Robert De Niro mm. enough love. I know that some people can say that his performance is over the top to some, but I think that it's just right. Yeah, there you go. Um, the Three Little Bears performance, or th- yep. <laughs> Three Little Bears? No, not Three Little Bears. 
what is three bears the three bears there you go whatever uh all right uh on to <laughs> aaron's number seven this is where i have theater camp um, whoa okay oh, wow you I thought you were gonna get away with talking about theater camp before i do and you're wrong uh very nice i'm glad to see it uh right, as your yeah, number seven sure. uh andrew what is your number seven american fiction Crap. Uh, all right, on to my number seven, which also might get trumped, The Holdovers. I have it, yep. number seven. Trump! All right, let's go to our number sixes. Uh, Robert, what do you have at number six? Anatomy of a Fall. I right. think I think you've got it. You're the only one that has it in your top ten. Yeah, uh, obviously I loved it. I talked about it with the Hula performance, um, but there are all those different layers to it, uh, trying to figure out whether she's guilty or innocent. Um but the the performance of the son when he does something with a dog later on in the movie, that's also a great scene that I haven't. The performance uh, of the dog. How did they the, do that? I, that too. <laughs> it's true. It's amazing. Um, it's insane. It's a great. I don't want to know how they did that. By it's, the way, it's true. I, I mean, it's I think you real. do. I, I don't think they hurt the dog. Like no, it's, no, no, it's, no, no, no. Just, it's wild. It's painful. Yeah. Um, and I just wanted to also lastly shout out the scene that is played both as like a scene and a flashback from the court. Um, that's an amazing moment. Yeah. All right. Uh, Anatomy of Fall. I'm glad it's on one of our lists. Uh, in at number, what are we at? Six? It also Roberts has list. the best usage of 50 cents yeah. PIMP. <laughs> Which surprisingly, <laughs> there was more than one movie in 2023 <laughs> featuring that song. Uh, Aaron, what is your number six? Uh, Creed three. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. I just, I, I think again, just the movie shot beautifully. I think while whatever your take on Jonathan majors at this point, it's undoubted. He's a remarkably talented actor and just so good in the show. And Michael B. Jordan is just as good as him. It's, it's super intense and anxiety driven uh, in, in, in like, it's just it's one of those movies where it just feels like anything could happen at any moment and uh, the stakes are really raised and it's got some of the best uh um like i think it's got a super great visual palette to it especially in the the fight at dodger stadium um i'd mentioned i think that uh um, it's a really excellent directorial debut from michael b jordan and i've been told there's at least five better (laughs) and i don't know what they are but i guess past lives is one right yeah like yeah, past lives. All right, cool. Well, and American Creed fiction. should be in the conversation because I think it's, I think it's just stellar. Are it's we talking about two thousand and twenty three directorial debuts? Yeah, because that would also be American Fiction. Uh, yeah. I haven't be- seen it yet. It opened up. <laughs> so that one opened up a week ago. So I haven't seen it yet. And all of us strangers opens up today. So I haven't seen it. Yet. Oh okay. Um, and Zone of Interest opens up a month from now. So, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I um. Uh, yeah, I just I really love this one. That's yeah. my third favorite Rocky or Creed movie. I'll, I'll just say, Me like, too. I really loved Me it too. too. Uh, Andrew, what is your number six? It's gonna get trumped, so get ready. The Iron Claw. Mm. Nobody. I oh, you got it the highest. I, I thought for sure. Yeah, I thought for sure Aaron would have it on this list. Uh, I really liked it, no. but it's not in my oh. top ten. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is a remarkable film. Such a happy 
joyful, loving film. Nothing wrong ever happens. And rainbows and puppy dogs. Rainbows and sunshine and puppy dogs. No. Um, if you know anything about the Von Erich family, you know that tragedy plagued them for decades and is such a terrible story. So terrible, in fact, that they actually had to kind of water it down for the movie. It's like insane. There were several brothers that existed that met the same fate as the other brothers that they cut out of the movie just because I don't know if it was, they thought it would be too repetitive, too unbelievable. It's, it's wild that so much tragedy befell one family. Um, I think that Zac Efron is remarkable in this film. Uh, He, uh, he dedicated himself to looking like a, uh, like a wrestler. Yeah, I'd surprise he didn't come up in our best performances conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, he does really great it's work close. here. Um, it is a very transformative performance for him as well. Yeah. Like his whole body is um, mm-hmm. changed uh, for for that movie. So yeah, it's it's pretty yeah. good stuff. Uh, my oh, somebody else had Iron Claw on their list, didn't they? Oh yeah, I had it at nine. Oh. Um, I'll just say real quick also that just like Godzilla, I didn't have any experience with wrestling or anything like that, but it still came out of nowhere and blew me away. Um, my favorite part of it though, is that on top of everything Andrew just said about how difficult life is and was for these, for this family um, at the end of the movie, it is positive and uplifting and uh, gives a hopeful message that even through as dark as you can get, um, there's always chance for uh Rebirth, I guess, is a good way to put it. Mm-hmm. It's it's a surprisingly hopeful end. It mm-hmm. re- really is, um, and I, I I really appreciated that. Uh, my wait, yes, my number six is where we are now. Uh, I have Barbie as my number six movie of the year. Trump! And I won't talk about it right now. Uh, on to our number five movies. We are into our top five. Robert, what is your number five movie of twenty twenty three? Uh, I know Schweitzer won't trump this, and it's the zone of interest. Um, the, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I uh, another one that just kind of blew me away uh, in its silence. Um, the fact that for Nazis living next to the Auschwitz concentration camp and running that concentration camp, um, the worst thing that could happen to them is water being dripped on the floor by the kids one day. Um, where the worst thing that could happen actually in the world is happening literally right next door to them because of them. Um, It's just a terrifying movie that, you know, shows the worst (laughs) that humans can be. Um, And I know that it's not something that you want to watch, but it, um, I think it's important to keep in mind the kind of things that the movie displays um, and just the matter of factness that it's shot with, like the cameras were just shot up, uh, set up like a documentary. They're just hidden within the house as, so as the people are walking around, it's just kind of, um, matter of factly displayed. Um, there's not visual flourishes. There's not much of a score apart from very select moments. And there's not, or actually there are visual flourishes also in very select moments. Um, but yeah, it's just an expertly done movie. Uh, and it's one of a kind. And it also includes another amazing Sandra Huller performance exactly uh, in, yeah. it, in it as well. Um, it is a movie that shows the devastating power of othering. The idea that you can take fellow human beings and make them 
less than, you know, make them such a, a monster or different species in your mind that you stop having any semblance of empathy. Right. And this movie uh, allows you an insight, a very troubling insight into our ability to do that. And I think it is a warning to all of us about how we other people in our lives and how we make certain groups or people or belief systems or whatever it might be um, into monsters or enemies or, you know, whatever the case is. Um, because when you, we start seeing each other as less than, uh, we start to lose empathy uh, for each other, and it can lead to the most drastic of situations. Um, so, yeah, it's a power, powerful film. I'm glad you brought it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, Aaron, what is your number five? Uh, a movie that we just mentioned we haven't talked about a lot. I loved Saltburn. Um, mm. I think it's it's just uh it was a movie that was like i don't really know where it's going or what it's doing and then the last half hour just kind of you know zooms past um you know everything and make and it's just like all right cool let's just get to where we go but i i just liked the journey um it's uh it's it's weird like it's kind it kind of feels like a bunch of movies that you've seen before kind of all put into one but with like a distinct tone and atmosphere like it's a little bit parasite it's a little bit Joker. It's a little bit like a, a lot of these like menacing talented movies, Mr. Ripley, talented Mr. Kyogen. I haven't seen that, but sure, I've heard that comparison. Oh, That's this my, is definitely talented, Mr. Ripley. It's yeah. my favorite vampire movie of the year. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> Robert Space. <laughs> uh, I just, I, I really just vibe with this movie, and um, I, yeah, I just really dig it. I thought about putting it in overrated uh, underrated but i i don't know that that's true because like people are either like it's okay or i loved it there's really no in between and i loved it i uh i thought about a couple of uh scenes for best movie moment of the year and i was like nah i don't necessarily want to talk about those <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> Um, the credits but, dance. And the, the I was thinking uh, the gra- gravesite. Gravesite would have been the one I oh. would have nominated if I nominated one. And the only reason I would have nominated it is because I think it envelops the themes of the movie even mm-hmm. better than those other uh, other scenes do. So, um, so yes, uh, <laughs> it's, it's a movie with no subtlety, and I just right. I, I really dug it. Yeah, yeah. That's the best way to describe the movie: a lack of subtlety. I, I, I don't think I don't think Emerald uh, Fennell is is going for subtlety with her no, stuff. No, no, I, no. I, I, I think I think she is a very interesting artist, and yeah. um, I also didn't see the movie until it came out on Prime, so I'd heard people talking about it for a month. Nice, which maybe mm. helped my experience, but. Nice. Uh, Andrew, what is your number five? This is where I have holdovers. All right. Sounds like you have it the highest. I have it the highest. All right. Um, What a positive movie, you know? Uh, And like Aaron said, you know, you kind of know a Paul Giamatti in your life. You know, uh, somebody who's stale and uh, kind of peaked, I guess you could say. But they they know that they are the number one in their field, and they uh, they they hold that uh, with pride. And it's interesting because there's a moment in this movie that is <clears throat> I'm going to go around spoilers here, but um, something is revealed about the academic history of Paul Giamatti, and you think that that's going to be the uh, 
the thing that gets him in the end, you know. But it's a red herring. It has nothing to do with the rest of the movie. It's just this great little, uh, uh, what would you call it a uh, a false red herring. False, red herring. Uh, yeah, the red herring. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, but yeah, I think that the movie is just a great coming of age tale that I cannot wait to see again. Good stuff. Uh, I had it down a couple at number seven. Um, echo everything that's already been said. We've talked about it a lot. Uh, I think there is the added element of I could watch Paul Giamatti gives acceptance speeches all day. I think <laughs> yeah. he's he's so he's so fun. Um, and uh, he doesn't have an Oscar, right? He got nominated for Sideways, I think. But I, I, or did he even get nominated for Sideways? I can't remember. I know he didn't win. He didn't get nominated for Sideways, but he did get nominated for uh, so I think it was uh, Cinderella the Amazing Man, Spider Man Two. Oh. Hope Cinderella Man. Cinderella so Man is what he got nominated so, for. Uh, you sure, it's not Big Fat I, I would love for Giamatti, Giamatti to have an Oscar. I know, um, you know, there's there's certainly a race going on, um, but uh, but yeah, it's 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 good stuff. Uh, my number five is Poor Things. I have Poor Things at number yep. five. Trump! On to our number fours. Robert, what do you got at number four? Past Lives. I no think that's all you. All right. Uh, yeah, I'll just keep it sh- uh, short and sweet and say it's a very sweet movie, very complicated movie, but also very simple. Um, and on top of all of that, it's emotionally effective, and we've kind of talked about it to death. Yep, I agree. I think some of the the thought processes you go through while, while watching past lives are really, really important. Um, the The ideas of how we have um, defined the idea of marriage, monogamy, those kind of things, and defined it as this wall of emotional separation between other human beings, as opposed to a decision that's made to not dismiss any other feelings or dismiss any other ideas, but the, the idea to commit to, you know, a a singular relationship uh, in that way or partnership um, is, is really, really valuable uh, because so much of the ideas of our, our modern cultural ideas of marriage and monogamy and those kind of things center around ownership and ideas of like that, that we need to start uh, deconstructing. And I think this movie deconstructs those in a really interesting way and uses that past lives metaphor to give a broader understanding of what love really is and what it means, you know, to uh, have meaningful relationships with other human beings. So it's good stuff. Um, all right. Uh, so I think we're on Aaron to your number four, a movie that we haven't mentioned at all. I have John wick chapter four. Yeah. Talk about it. I'm just a big fan of this franchise and yes, the gun violence is, is like, I'm I'm getting there with you, Aaron, where it's like, I'm just, but I think there's like this movie, (laughs) but it's so cool. Like, like I I definitely got that with like, or other things or like, uh, just other other ones. But there's also like, this world is heightened in a way where I can separate it from like our world and, Mm. um, Mm. and just kind of get over it. And I just, I, I think it's got some really well done action. I mean, it's, it's one of two really incredible scenes, uh, that take place in the roundabout uh, in Paris. Yeah. 
Um, so like, it's just it's just incredible, and I love the incendiary shotgun scene and the over the top view. I, the movie's like still taking creative risks, and it's three hours, but super captivating. It felt like I could have watched it twice in the time it took me to watch. You know, Killers of the Flower Moon or okay. um, something else. <laughs> Shots fired, literally. Uh, or six times in Maestro, you know? The stairs scene, too. <laughs> I just got to piss everybody off. <laughs> I watched uh, Hard Boiled for the first time yeah. uh, last night, El John Woo uh, movie, and and was reminded while watching that how much of action culture has been about, you know, gun violence for so long. And I say gun violence, really gun uh, gun play, gun porn. Yeah. I don't know what you want to call it. Gun food. Yeah, whatever the case may be. And I get it. I I, I understand the art, the artistry and appeal of um the the power of those weapons and and those kind of things. So um so it's not it's not something I'm immune to. It's just intellectually becoming harder and harder to yeah. invest. I will say uh, four is my second favorite John Wick movie. Um, I, th- I think it's the only, uh, sequel in the batch that even comes close to understanding what, in my opinion, made the first one so good. Yeah. Um, and I know a lot of people would disagree with that because the action is what made it so good for them. That just was never what made it so good for me. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I, I do like four better than three and two. So. It has the ideas of like what violence reaps on its mind yeah. the entire yeah, exactly. time. Yeah, yeah. So exactly. Yeah. It's my favorite just, of the four. Here's here's my caveat. If we get a sequel to this movie starring Keanu Reeves, remove it from my list because <laughs> it, yeah. it completely negates this movie. I'm taking like, a stand. I think well, that's going to happen. Aaron. We don't know if Ballerina is a sequel or a prequel. That's it has Lance Reddick in it, so it has to be a prequel. So that's true. Hmm. So yeah, yeah. I uh, I have a feeling it will happen. But yeah, we'll and then just retroactively remove it and bump up I don't know, Godzilla <laughs> or something else. All the all the audience, uh, you know, five years from now is hearing is this section has been edited for content. <laughs> that's all. That's all they're hearing. Uh, Andrew, you're number four. Dungeons and Dragons: Honor Among Thieves. Nice. I had it at number ten. You had it at number four. Speak on it. Uh, Daly and Goldstein are perfect here. I need to see more of their stuff together. But uh, this cast is just so perfect. I mean. You look at Chris Pine, Michelle Rodriguez, Justin Smith, and Sophie Lillis, and Hugh Grant. I mean, Hugh Grant has been ever since I think Paddington Two, when he like came back with that resurgence. I've loved everything that the guy has done, and yet he keeps and giving. This is no exception. He keeps giving interviews where he's like, "I hate my jobs. I hate what I do." <laughs> I hate my job. Yeah, I he's one of the best parts I, of Wonka too. He like, is, and he hated yeah. it. He hated yeah. every second of it. And the gentleman, yeah. he's super good in that one. Yeah. Oh, he's so good in The Gentleman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's perfect. And I, I've been a lo- lifelong D and D player, and having been burned from that first movie with Jeremy Irons and how awful it was, I did not come into this with high expectations at all. But I was happily surprised by how good this movie is. It is great. I had it at number ten. I think my favorite thing about it is its inventiveness. Um, I, I love the way it plays with things, uh, the, the portal, uh, way it plays with the idea of, oh, of the thither. portal is so, so fun. The things that it chooses to do with that, 
the projection scene um you know almost deserves a mention in movie moments um you know the the melting melting uh you know is <laughs> oh when he's singing yes. and he starts melting <laughs> yes. that should have been a nomination for yeah, me yeah it's I'm it's so lie. good there's there's lots of great stuff uh in that so yeah i'm i'm glad you have it uh in so high at number 4 uh speaking of things so high at number four uh there's a movie that i trumped that i haven't mentioned yet my number four movie of 2023 is theater camp that's right number four movie Uh of the year uh i i don't know how to see past my own bias of the mirror that i'm looking into when i watch this movie i don't you know i i not only know these people i am these people and have been these people uh so the it it just beautifully encapsulates the um the incorrigibleness of us theater kids and uh i i was so happy to see that it it had a good self-understanding in addition to a good narrative structure and a fun story to follow and again the turn at the end with the the final song is one of the most beautiful movie turns i saw this year um it's just it's really really well done so i had a blast with this laughed a ton and uh at myself and at uh others uh who are with me so theater camp is my number four of the year aaron you had it at number seven i believe somewhere around there yep. so talk about uh, it a little bit for you i think more than any movie that we've talked about so far this podcast this is the one that i feel like you could show anybody and expect them to like it uh, regardless of their experience i i wasn't a theater kid growing up i married one though and she didn't watch it with me but i i i said after we finished this one i think this is the movie um that i will watch the most that came out this year before i die because it, it's 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 like 89 minutes and like it's um it's it's just so funny. Like, I feel like it could be a back wa- background watch or like a date night watch or like any situation, maybe not funerals, but who, <laughs> you do you. Um, I just, I feel like I could just pop it on at any given time and, uh, and just laugh, enjoy myself. The, the, the people in this movie is also just like cast list runs deep. Like honestly, maybe should have got a best cast like ensemble because like you, you look and you're like, um, Obviously, uh, Ben Platt and Molly Gordon are at the top, and then Robert. Who's that guy that you like that you're that you hate is pigeonholed into the same kind of performance oh, that's in this movie? Uh, Noah Galvin, is that who you're talking about? I the, think so. The stage the hand director guy? son. Yeah. Oh, oh no, um, I don't remember what what his um, name is, but I know who you're talking about. Joan Stills' um, son. Yeah, uh, Jimmy Tarto. Yeah. Yeah, yeah true. Uh, and then you lo- you go down even more, right? And then like Amy Sedaris is in there for a little bit, and Ao Adabiri, who sneakily has a crazy good year with TMNT and um, um, the bear. The bear. Uh, <laughs> well, and she, but she, but even if you take apart the and bear, she's, she's also bottoms. Bottoms. Yeah, bottoms. That's the other one. It's just like she's in, on screen for a total of like four minutes, but the whole movie just really works, and I loved it. Yeah, uh, Jimmy Tatro was in uh, American Vandal, right? Like, uh, yeah. and played kind of that same character. Um, but he's really, really good in this. So I just remember I, I think Robert's he's review so funny. was, "I can't wait for him to actually get like better roles." Or mm-hmm. he does yeah. the same thing a lot. Noah Galvin though is amazing, and I need to shout out this yes. scene where he's like answering all of the different walkie-talkie requests, and he's just like going back, <laughs> like rolling down the hill. I love that. Yeah. Moment. Yeah. Uh, all right. That is my number four. So we are on to our number threes. What is your number three, Robert? 
All the strangers, uh, this is where it lands. Um, yeah, it, like I said, it just moved me in a way that no other mo- movie moved me this year. Um, four great lead performances, uh, even though Paul Meskel is more of a sporting than the other three. Uh, Andrew Scott is just amazing. It, I don't know. I think I, I talked about everything that was so meaningful to me in the moment and in the uh, in the performance section, but uh, thinking about people that you've lost or that you love in your life who you want to cherish. Um, that's kind of what the movie gets at for me. Um, and that's what makes it so moving because it, it loves dearly, you know, and it's very earnest in its depiction of that uh, dear love. So um, I, I really love the way that Andrew Haig uh, also this movie weekend. He's very earnest and straightforward with what he wants to talk about. And even though this one is, more uh fantastical than weekend which is very naturalistic this one uh i think is easily his best very nice uh all of us strangers in at number three for robert aaron what is your number three i have barbie Hmm. talk on it i think you have it the highest i think so which kind of surprised me because when this movie came out like obviously oppenheimer was the talk of the town but like i think everybody was like yeah but like barbie's excellent too and also throw in they clone Tyrone, which has somehow escaped uh, everything. Anyway, um, uh, it's it's just like it's that really perfect like comedy level. I mean, you, you guys know that Nice Guys is my favorite movies, and Ryan Gosling is channeling that energy here in his performance as Ken. Uh, but it also has those heartfelt moments like um, like the you're so beautiful line or the America Ferris speech, which again, also give her all the speeches as well, because her CCA uh, speech was remarkable. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it, it just seems like every little part of this movie works, um, I, I guess, except for Will Ferrell, according to some people. <laughs> I'm indifferent <laughs> on him because he doesn't have very much screen time and he's kind of you know, he's doing the Lego movie Lord Business again. Um, but I, I think this movie is just like so fun and it, it, I I think you, you were talking about it with Alice recently and it's like, it just, it barely misses the mark at the end. Um, and, and it's like thematic messaging. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's so good. And also like maybe my favorite line of the movie, but I, of the year, but like where Ryan Gosling says, uh, I lost interest in the patriarchy when I found out it wasn't about horses. horses. Again, just per- perfect comedic timing, and I I loved Barbie. I just have one thing to say about Barbie, which I also had in my top ten in at uh, number six, and that is Sublime. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it was a really I great blooper reel for that. Barely moment. missed my list. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun, um, and and glad to, glad to give it some mentions uh, on this list. Uh, Andrew, what is your number three? My number three is Oppenheimer. Trump. Trump. Uh, all right, we will move to my number three then. I'm really happy. I'm the first person to mention this movie. I'm really happy all four of us have this movie in our top three. Uh, oh. That, of course, is Maestro uh, in at number Trump. three. Trump. Uh, I'll be waiting to see where it is on Robert and Aaron's list. Uh, Robert, give us, breath. <laughs> give us your number two. Uh, it's Maestro. No, it's Oppenheimer. Uh, is that Sony Trump? Yeah. Aaron, what is your number two? 
my number 32 is Maestro. Uh, <laughs> did a quick letterbox search. Um, poor things. Um, oh, I think you have uh, the highest at number two. I think so. And like, I get it, right? Um, I, I think I, my letterbox review was like, it's not perfect, but it's kind of perfect to me. It's, it's, it's got some pacing issues. It's certainly a little bit too long, especially in the second half of the movie. But I just really love these characters and Yorgos Lanthimos is producing one of the most visually beautiful movies I've seen in a long time and visually creative, like the cities that we visit. Um, it's like, and, and, and there's also some really haunting cities as well. Like the one that they visit on the cruise with the, like, you know, where Emma Stone discovers, you know, p- people in poverty or Bella, sorry, Bella Baxter discovers people in poverty. <laughs> um, it's, uh, uh, it's it's got some really creative like i i want to give this movie every award like costume design art and set makeup cinematography super underrated score for the year um i don't know if it's really in awards contention but nobody's mentioned it as like maybe among the best but it is to me i think everything about this movie just works again it's not quite perfect but if you can just get on this movie's tone I just I loved every second of it. Uh, I had it at number five. Did either of you guys have it higher than that? I can't remember where everybody had it. Um, I had it at number five. Uh, I echo what you said, and I'll go ahead and mention it. I really, really, really appreciate the way Yorgos uh, handles uh, sexuality and nudity in this movie. I think yeah. there is something there is something about the way that he shoots this movie that takes the lasciviousness out of it and really just lets you experience the humanity of what sexuality and nudity is. You know, we all have a naked body and this movie, you know, lives with it in a way where it turns it into um, a more human experience as opposed to, Oh, look, Emma Stone's naked or, you know, whatever. Um, so yeah, I, I really thought that was really well handled in, in more movies could really, uh, understand the, the importance of that part of humanity being portrayed as authentic and in a way of empathy like that. So, um, so yeah, I, I really love uh, Emma Stone being naked in this movie. So that's, that's what I wanted <laughs> to say. The exact opposite f- of what I just implied is what I wanted to say. Um, What's funny is as soon as you brought that up, the first thing that popped in my head was Ryan Gosling just going, I have all the genitals. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I have all the genitals. Yes, exactly. Uh, so yeah, I had a number five. And Andrew, uh, Robert, did you guys have this on your list in the top ten? I had it at 10. It's number 13 okay. for me. All right. Year. All right. Robert, why don't you talk about it? You did have it at number 10. Yeah, I was just going to say real quick that up until the brothel stuff, too, all the nudity and sex is played to be comedic. You know, like right, none of sure. it is lingering or titillating. Yeah. It's just right. kind of silly and goofy. Um, is 2023 the year of comedic sex scenes? Because I haven't seen Napoleon, but. <laughs> that right? also like, <laughs> a very funny sex scene. Um, I think the sex scene in Bo is Afraid is hilarious. Oh, yeah, that too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> 2023, the year of comedic sex. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just like about poor things that um, what I normally like about Yorgos movies is that he kind of looks at the darkness of humanity um, and kind of lingers on that. Uh, but he approaches that and then moves past it in poor things and says, let's take the darkness like the child slaves and all that kind of stuff. Um, and let's accept the darkness and let's uh, say that we can do better. Uh, it doesn't have to be this way. Uh, our, our, you know, the things that we have in place don't have to be this way. Marriage and uh, the way families are structured and the way life is structured doesn't have to be this way. We can be whim- full of whimsy the way Bella is. We can look at the world with wonder. 
Um, and I really love that it looks at the world like that. Yeah, I agree. Uh, all right. So let's see. Poor Things was Andrew's number two. Is that right? My number no, two. No, Aaron's number two. So Andrew, we're ready for your number two. I just mentioned it. Bo was afraid. Oh, nice. I feel like, like this movie was made for you, Andrew. I think. Uh... <laughs> yep. It's made for me, pretty much. Um, yeah, I think the Joaquin Phoenix, uh, I, sh- I oh, where did I have him on my performance? Number four, uh, my performance. So, yeah, he does carry the movie. Um, and I can totally get why people aren't up on this movie because Ari Aster's movies aren't for everybody. Even if you go all the way back to like Hereditary or, uh, what was the, you mean the most overrated film of 2016? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it is not going to lie. What was the one he did right after her at Midsommar? Uh, Midsommar? Yeah. Which I actually yeah. like. I actually Which like Midsommar. I do like Midsommar. I do too. Um, but I can understand why a lot of people just aren't up on his movies. This just happened to be the one that uh, hooked me. Bo is afraid. Um, yeah, some some very human nudity. Doesn't he? Doesn't he run? It, isn't his street crossing scene naked? I think so. Yeah. 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 I think. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, uh, it is definitely that year, 2023. Um, so on to my number two. Uh, this is where I have American Fiction uh, at number two nice. on my list. Uh, loved this movie. I've talked about it a lot already. The thing this movie has to say about the the back and forth balance of what it means to reconcile with the racial history of this country is perhaps the most prescient I've seen about where we have to figure out how to head, which is to understand that that history has this negative shadow over everything that doesn't just go away because you want things to be better. Like we have to deal with those consequences. And at the same time, we have to allow for the ability to see each other as not defined by race or upbringing or background. Um, And that telling black stories isn't just about Uh, wrestling with that history. It's also about telling full human stories of people who just look differently than I might or um, someone else might. Uh, And so the idea of the movie being both the example of the thing that it is saying we need to do more of and also being this satire of the thing that we do right now is it's a really interesting combination and that back and forth of colorblindness versus diversity and embracing diversity i think will you know i think the more we find out how both can be true the better off we will be as a society and i think that's what this movie has to say and i think it says it beautifully um and i think cord jefferson is one uh, i'm going to watch uh in the upcoming years uh i think He's, okay. he's got a lot of interesting stuff. I, I, the, he told me the next thing he wants to do is a Hell or High Water style uh, uh, cross-country brothers trip, um, kind of Western kind of thing. So I'm, I'm excited yes, to see, see yeah. what he does with that. So, um, so yeah, American Fiction is my number two. Who, anybody else have it on their top ten on their list? Andrew, where'd you? Seven. And number seven. So, yeah, feel free to say a few words. Oh, you, you've, uh, you've hit the nail on the head. Uh uh, I just want to echo again how good Sterling K. Brown is in this. His performance is out of this world. 
And I like the ending of this movie because the ending of this movie could have gone in so many different ways. It could have been the simple... Um, they even show you different iterations. I was going to say, they give the you one of be. those endings. Yeah. Yeah. And it could have been so simply that, but that's not this movie. This movie is all about the commentary and it breaks it down. It breaks down that metal wall, that fourth wall. And it just tells you like, why don't we just have an ending where he just talks and then, nah, we're not <laughs> going to do the yeah. And uh, and then it gives you an ending that is that would have been satisfactory had it not been a color commentate or a commentary on a on the uh, the state of Hollywood. Yeah. Uh, all right. So I think that means we're ready for our number ones. Uh, Robert, kick us off. What's your number one film of twenty twenty three? This is where I have Asteroid Thanks, City. I've like I said I've seen it four times now and it's gone up each time that I watched it like I liked it the first time really liked it the second time absolutely loved it the third and fourth times um all the layers that Wes Anderson goes for in it uh really get at what it means to be human in a way that only he talks about the way that it means to be human uh because he has such an idiosyncratic mind such a unique way of looking at the world um, as his movie making has gotten more formal, at least in like the way that the camera moves, uh, in some cases, like in Grand Budapest and Moonrise Kingdom, and of course, Asteroid City, I've felt it to be more poignant as to what it means to be uh, a human in the world. Um, every time that I watch the movie, I just pick up on new quotes. Obviously, there's uh, I don't, I don't know what the play means. Uh, it doesn't matter. Just keep telling the story. And then you can't wake up if you don't fall asleep. Really, you know, hits me in the gut every single time that I watch it. Um, I didn't know why the first time. Uh, but the, the next three times that I've seen it, I've really understood its meaning and uh, the, the importance of dreaming and uh, getting to that place. And then being able to take what we learned in our dreams and, you know, going out and living our lives with that idea and just kind of um, embracing the confusion and that we don't really understand anything, why the alien's coming, why he's leaving, putting back the asteroid. Uh, We don't know, but we just got to keep telling the story. Tell the story, tell the story. The play is the thing, right? To go back to Shakespeare. Mm -hmm. The play is the thing, the stage, all the world is a stage. And uh, Wes Anderson understands this inherently in his work he always has his work has always felt like a stage it's always felt like he's he's not afraid of the performative structural nature of what it means to tell stories and i feel like he has evolved into his final form in asteroid city you know like he is he has found the ability just to go this is who i am and these are the kind of uh, ways i want to tell stories and the fact that the themes in this are about that as well you know um, you can't wake up if you don't fall asleep the play is the thing the play is the sleeping the play the performance is the dreaming it is the sleeping um this movie is as if a dream um, that we wake up from and hopefully learn something or feel something. Um, man, I just think it's, it's beautiful work. I had it uh, certainly high in my list, just not in the top 10. Um, yeah. So uh, I'm, I'm really glad to see it at your number one. Cause I think it's, 
uh, one of his best, if not his best movies. Uh, he is, is really rocking on, on all cylinders these days for me. So yeah, good stuff. Uh, Aaron, what is your number one? Oppenheimer. Me too. Yeah. Talk about it. Um, uh, I think that designing a movie kind of about him was the best idea because the, the, the trinity happens right where they test the nuclear bomb and i'm like i don't care get back to the other stuff like and that's kind of a feat to do uh you heard it here first aaron does not care about uh the nuclear holocaust uh oh man no it's like i I thought the the way that it was a significant moment in human history i don't care about nuclear weapons I no, I mean, but I mean, like everything surrounding that was great. Everything about him saying, "Hey, by the way, there's a greater threat, and we cannot build this." And they're like, "All right, well, we're gonna do it without you, and we can't have you speaking bad about us." Like uh, all that political like intrigue just really had me going. That's kind of where we start to kind of see people are showing their true colors now that you know they've gotten what they wanted from him. Um, it, it, as mentioned, the uh, what do we call it in in Terra? Uh, sexual in in <laughs> sexual intercourse, intercourse, yeah, like is one of the most tense movies uh, or moments of the year. Of course, the the split between um, seeing the um um uh, wow, uh, blanking on words, <laughs> the 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 cheering crowd and the, the melting cheering faces. crowd, yes, yeah, with everybody rah rah rah, yay go USA, and meanwhile we just decimated a ton of people. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's, it's just a work of genius and also a movie that's three hours long that felt like two. Yeah. Yeah. I also had it at number one. I've, I've spoken many times about my love for Christopher Nolan's ability to really go deep and get, um, you know, every movie of his is a puzzle in some way. This is not excluded from that. It, you know, the ideas of fission and fusion that he's playing with here, he very purposefully sets up right at the beginning, and he's doing something very purposeful with those that I continue to uh, think um, unwind themselves for me as I continue to think about it and go back to watch it. I did a very detailed watch recently, uh, and I'm just super impressed by all the little details uh, in this movie. Um I just think it's incredible filmmaking. Uh, it says something. It's uh, in, it's it's also entertaining. There are there are fun funny moments. There are cheer moments. There there's just a lot of interesting uh, stuff going on here. So um, so yeah, Oppenheimer I think is is well worth the hype that it's getting and uh, and uh, and the awards that it continues to win. So um, so yeah, that is my number one as well. Um, who else had it on their list? Did everybody have it on their list somewhere? I had it at two. Yeah. And and, it and Andrew, you had it uh, at three. At three. Oh, so one, one, two, and three. Okay. Well, Robert, talk about it at number two. Um, so I really didn't like Tenet, and that made me like sour on Christopher Nolan as a whole, and like kind of go back and reevaluate my thoughts on a lot of his movies mm. after saying he was my favorite director for a while. Um, so I wasn't expecting as much from Oppenheimer. Uh, then I went and watched Oppenheimer and I said, do I have to re reevaluate what I think about Christopher <laughs> Nolan? <laughs> because this is an amazing movie. Um, I talked about it a couple of times with why I love the performances in it uh, with Downey and Murphy, um, because that's kind of get, that kind of gets to the heart of what really works about the thematics of the movie for me. Um, that Oppenheimer just has no idea what he believes. All he, all he wants to do is just 
be given credit for being uh, this amazing mind. And he is for mm -hmm. so long and he just loved it. You can tell it, you can see on his face every time uh, someone tells him how great he is. Um, but then also there's the rest of the supporting cast that I, that we just need to say is great. Uh, I'm not going to go down the list, but everyone who pops up for just like one to, you know, eight scenes, just amazing. Jason you just Clark, have, you have multiple Academy award winners showing up for, for a cup of coffee. Like it's, yep. it's wild. Remy Malik has like four lines and he won uh -huh. the Oscar three years ago. Yeah. Um, yeah. The movie as a whole is just amazing. It blows me away every time, every time, like I said, I've seen it four times. Every time I watch it, I think this might be the best movie ever made. Um, <laughs> Talking about best versus favorite, which is why it's at my number two, uh, uh -huh. because Asteroid City is my favorite. But yep. yeah, I, I absolutely just think this is a masterclass in every sense of the word. Yup. Andrew, do you want to talk about it as well? I am not above shouting out some supporting cast members. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so congratulations to Emily Blunt and Matt Damon, who we have not mentioned once. But the one I really want to give a shout out to is Jason Clark. Mm-hmm. Because you really hate Jason Clark in this movie. He um, he's doing his job. I mean, he reminds me so much of the uh, uh, Advocate General from Anatomy of a Fall. Mm -hmm. Just this person who's doing their job. They're supposed to poke holes in your story, but you hate them so much. Um, yeah, this is a good movie. I think we can all agree on that. Yep. Uh, I think that just leaves us with uh, your number one, Andrew. What do you have at number one? Your number three in Robert and Aaron's favorite movie of the year, <laughs> Maestro. <laughs> so good, I couldn't even rank it. That's right. Yep. Transcends. It, it, it's, it transcends. Yeah, it transcends ranking exactly. <laughs> Robert, I think um, what if, if we watch it in our car, do you think? That'll oh, help. I should that. try that. Yeah. That'll help a lot. <laughs> You say that as a bit, but even Aaron has admitted that seeing this movie like with a good sound system really does it's elevate my, it's it. My my biggest lament uh, about you know being on Netflix is that most people will see it on yeah. a pretty crappy TV speakers, and the way that 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 scene, especially and all of the movie, is mixed is is just it is elevating, it is levitating. So. I'll say it is my most excited Sposkers watch. Oh, maybe nice. I'll change. Like nice. I, I'm very open to maybe it's better than I initially perceived. Cool. Cool. Or maybe I liked it more. You know, whatever. Yeah. Yep. Uh, it is my number three. I, uh, I've, I've uh, talked a lot about why I love Maestro, so I don't need to go into too much more detail. Um, but, uh, but yes, if you've got a good car stereo, watch it in your car. <laughs> <laughs> can recommend can recommend well there you go there's our top 10 most favorite movies of the year robert i'm glad you mentioned that the distinct uh distinction between favorite and best mm -hmm. um because that is what we do here uh is talk about our favorite movies of the year um and now we move on to the entire sift pop crew uh every year everybody sends their top five movies in order those are given points it's a very simple reverse point system your number one gets five points your number five gets one point um and then those are ranked by total points this year we had 31 people participating uh whether they be uh gurus nice. who you've heard on the show this year or writers at sifpop.com uh 31 people giving in their votes 45 different movies were mentioned 45 different films were mentioned we only count down the ones that are mentioned more than once if a movie is only mentioned once we do not count it down uh, there were 25 movies 
movies that had more than one mention. So we will count down the top 25 movies. According to our Sif Pop crew, ties are broken first by the number of people that, that had them on their list, second by the number of number one votes. So those are the two tiebreakers. Uh, there still will be some ties even with those two tiebreakers. All right. Uh, I will say there were really good movies that only had one person mentioning them. Lots of them this year. Um, so if there's something you don't hear, uh, like, for instance, uh, Dungeons and Dragons, which was only on one person's top five. Uh, so I wanted Andrew to, to at least know that uh, that I did see that, but it will not make the list. All right. Starting at number five, two people mentioned this one. They both had it at their number five. Dream Scenario is the number 25 movie uh, of the year, a movie we haven't mentioned, hmm. starring Nicolas Cage. That's uh, a good movie. Zone of Interest comes in at 24. I think that probably is representative of uh, the fact that very few people have had a chance to see it yet, um, and hmm. that'll be clear with a couple other movies as we go up the list tied for 22nd uh two movies tied for 22nd oh sorry andrew i was wrong i i have a um, a mea culpa uh dungeons and dragons honor among thieves is tied for uh 22nd actually uh did have more than one vote uh it had uh the uh, two votes uh in the top five and it is tied for 22nd with theater camp uh, which also had two votes in the top five. Both of them may just happen to be uh, in this. No, you had it at number seven, actually, uh, Aaron. So, um, so yeah, that is the tw- number 22. Number 21, a movie that might get nominated for Best Picture that we haven't even mentioned yet. I will just say in this entire two uh, two episodes of Sifties, I'm just not sure we have enough hot dogs. Uh, this is okay, uh, this is May December uh, coming in yeah. at number twenty one. Uh, a couple people mentioning that uh, for a total of five points. Oh, I actually ha- hold on. Coming coming in at uh, at number five, I have May December. <laughs> All right, uh, I have that uh, that card right there. Uh, Glad I made it on. <laughs> uh, tied for nineteenth, we have uh, another movie we haven't mentioned. Uh, well worth mentioning, The Boy and the Heron. Uh, tied for number nineteen, Miyazaki's latest movie. Very very good. In Asteroid City, also tied for nineteen. Uh, two people have that on their list, including one a person that had it at their number one. Hmm, who could have that? I been? Who that could be. Uh, number 18 was all of us strangers. A couple people with that on the list. Seven points. Uh, killers of the flower moon down at number 17. Uh, it had three people had it, had it on their list. Uh, no number one votes. Uh, just ahead of that tied for 15th John wick four and air. Uh, they tied for 15th, um, with three people and one number one vote. And now there are no more ties in the top 14. We will count them down. Number 14, Anatomy of a Fall. Four people had it on their list, had a total of 10 points, zero number ones. Number 13, Godzilla minus one, coming in at number 13. Four people had it on their list. 
Uh, 10 points total. One person had it at number one. Number 12, Saltburn in at number 12. Five people had Saltburn on the list. 10 total points, no number ones. Uh, number 11 is Maestro. Uh, Maestro comes in at number 11. Three people had it on their list. 11 points, including one number one. He sits among us. Uh, and then into the top 10 movies of the year. Uh, all of these movies had at least four mentions and at least one number one uh, in the top 10. Uh, number 10 is Nimona comes in at number 10. Four people had that on their list. It had 11 total points and one number one. Number nine is the Iron Claw in at number nine. Five total Very people nice. had that on the list. Uh, 12 total points and one number one. Number eight is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 coming in at number eight. Six people had it on their list. 18 points, including one number one vote. Uh, the rest of this list, number seven on, all have at least two people that have it as their number one movie of the year. Uh, so we will start with number seven. American Fiction comes in at number seven. And I think this might be higher if more people had seen it as well. This is another one that isn't yeah. uh, widely available yet. Uh, American Fiction had six total people with it on their list. 22 points. Uh, two people had it at number one. Number six is Poor Things comes in at number six with seven total people having it on their list, 24 points, and two people having it at number one. And now we're in the top five. Uh, more than 10 people had all of these five movies, uh, or had one of these five movies. Let me see if I can say that more clearly. <laughs> all of these movies had at least 10 votes uh, uh, in the top five. Nice. In fact, they all had at least 11. Uh, number five is Barbie with 33 points and two number ones. Number four is The Holdovers comes in at number four uh, with 12 people mentioning it in 36 points. Uh, by the way, two through five were all very, very close. Uh, number three is Past Lives coming in at number three. 11 people wow. mentioned it. 38 points. Two people had it at number one. Uh, there was one movie that five people had at number one and one movie that six people had at number one. And those are our top two. Our number two movie of the year is one we haven't even mentioned yet. I know what it is. Andrew knows what it is. Say it. Spider-Verse? Spider-Man uh, Across the Spider-Verse, the number two movie of the year. Uh, ten people had it on their list. Forty points total. Five number <laughs> ones. Five number ones for Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. And yes, a pretty sweeping victory for the number one movie of the year. It is... Oppenheimer. 22 people out of the 31 voters had it in their top five. 79 points total with six first place votes. Uh, Oppenheimer is the official Sift Pop movie of the year. Uh, there you go. I just want to say this is three years in a row I have guessed what the Sift Pop movie of the year is. Yeah? Well, you you know our Sift Pop people. Um uh, the last couple of years, what everything everywhere all at once was a maybe the most clear winner we've ever had, um, yeah. like across the board, not even just on Sif Pop, like it just swept yeah. uh, everything um, everywhere all at once. Well, not technically all, all at once. Uh, Spider-Man No Way Home was the year before that was the official uh, Sif Pop movie of the year. Um, Soul was this uh, Sif Pop movie of the year before that. 
Parasite, the year before that. Mission Impossible Fallout was the Sif Pop movie the year before that. Get Out, the year before that. Arrival, the year before that. And uh, the, then before that, we weren't actually, we were each picking one. Um, and the two winners were The Martian and Inside Out for that year. And then Gravity was a unanimous choice the very first year uh, that we put uh, picked movie of the year. So there you go. Those are your official Sif Pop movies of the year. And Oppenheimer going home with the win. Congratulations Woo. to Christopher Nolan. I expect you to drop by for your uh, award <sighs> and we will have a yes. conversation. I'll have plenty of hot dogs. Uh, <laughs> we've done it, guys. We have managed Woo. to do uh, the Sifties, parts one and part two. You're hearing them a week apart. We sat in a room for five hours and recorded them all yes. at once. Yeah. So congratulations for your endurance. Your podcasting endurance is appreciated. Thank you so much for joining us today for Sif Pop. It is part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. You can find out more about other shows on the network at studiodna.media or by searching Studio DNA in your podcast player. Huge thanks to Andrew for hanging out today. Thank you, buddy. Big thanks to Robert for hanging with us today. Where uh, where Woo. do you want people to find you, Robert? Uh, just like last week, go to sifpop.com. Uh, Sif Pop Writers Room twice a month will be on there. Also, see podcast and Robert's thoughts on Letterboxd. Uh, Aaron, thank you for coming by today. Schweitzer, always good to see you. Um, what are some uh, things you want to tell people, places you want to send them? Uh, just the sifpop.com and sifpop writers room podcast. Uh, get to know me and the other writers over there at the site. We appreciate you both being here and encourage you to check all of that out. Yeah. There's some amazing stuff going on at sifpop.com. Very, very happy uh, for uh, to have all of our writers participating. It was really nice uh, when we sent out the uh, request for top fives how many of the the writers in their email back were like sif pop is the absolute best place for people who love movies to hang out it has the best community i've ever been uh involved in when it comes to talking about movies and that that really uh warmed my heart so i appreciate the work that uh, both of you are doing over at sifpop.com in leading that and making that such a cool environment for movie lovers uh to to come be a part of so check it out at sifpop.com uh you can also be a supporter at Patreon, patreon.com slash SIFPOP. Support starts at three bucks a month. Lots of fun perks there you can check out. Also, lots of ways you can connect with us. Feel free to leave a comment, a rating, or a review at Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen. You can also email us at feedback at SIFPOP.com. And finally, if you're having a good time, your movie-loving friends will probably like the show too, so make sure you let them know about it and that listening is much easier than finding a scene and poor things to watch with the family. We'll be back <laughs> next week. Um, not sure exactly what we'll be reviewing, but but we'll be back next week to, to chat some more movies and we will see you then. Bye. Bye. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T R Y L I F E M D.com.